Hailing frequencies are open. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Clear Skies, our Star Trek Adventures live play here with the Stream Punks. Hi, everybody. Punk. Hello. Yeah, I don't know why it feels like a few thousand years since we were last here running this game. Um, we are now in the final arc of Clear Skies, the final three episodes. So let me go ahead and start off with the announcements today. I got um, one. I got one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to you in a second. Yours is a, you're, you got nothing big to say. You got nothing going on. We're gonna... <laughs> All right. So um, first announcement is that uh, originally Clear Skies was going to be wrapping on the 20th. We are now wrapping on the 27th. So uh, stay tuned for more information. Uh, Blood of the Void is going to be uh, shifting there Monday, but we're very grateful that Lisa and that Klingon crew was giving us that last Monday of the month so we can wrap up uh, Clear Skies. So thank you so much. And so we got this episode, the next, and then the one after that is our final episode. Um, next announcement that I wanted to give everybody uh, is uh, today is Rick Bud's birthday. Do not let him off the hook. Woo! Everyone inundate Rick Bud's Twitter accounts. Wish that dude a very happy birthday if you could please. Praise him. It um, makes him incredibly uncomfortable, but yeah. he, that just means that he needs practice with it. Yeah, exactly. Further exposure. Oh. He brushes off all compliments. If you really want to get good at your compliment sparring, <laughs> this is an excellent target, yes. and you should aim all praise at him because he is a wonderful storyteller and an amazing friend. We're this coming on. from a Sam to laugh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Called out. Uh, the next announcement that I have is Star Jam. Star Jam is going to be coming up just after Clear Skies wraps. We'll keep you posted of when the launch date is. We're nailing that down. We're actually just about there. So you can look forward to hearing when Star Jam is going to be happening. For those of you who don't know what Star Jam is, we had quite the audience response to our one shot of Spelljammer. And we are going to be jumping back into that. Now, I can't guarantee that all the same characters are going to make the same appearance, except for Celestine. There's never going to be a time where Sam does not play a crystal dragon. If that's going to be an option, Sam is going to be playing Celestine. So I can guarantee that at the very least. Um, before yeah. I hand things off, no, actually, I'll save that one for the end. Uh, Bonnie, you had something that happened, I guess, that you wanted to announce? Uh, okay, that's fine. We can get to it later. Um, I who think else I have something. <laughs> Go ahead, Bonnie. What 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 happened? Oh, I'll wait. It's fine. No, no. I, I think I think I've waited long. I've waited. I've waited a long time. God, yeah. You've been sitting on this for a while, right? I know my butt is numb. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, so October twenty eighth on Paramount Plus, a fabulous Nickelodeon show called Star Trek Prodigy will be coming out, and I have finally been. Acknowledged as the ship's computer. I am the voice of the ship's computer on Star Trek Prodigy. Now and I am so excited. Ship's computers. <sighs> so well done. Congratulations, Bonnie. Thank you. Uh, becoming part of Star Trek officially. Well done. I'm uh, a canon. I, I mean, honestly, that's why we're wrapping clear skies. Like we made it. We <laughs> no. It. Like, well, a fun game we were like, is well, to go. Back to the previous episodes of Clear Skies, and anytime that Bonnie says, I have an announcement, but I can't say yet, now fill in now this know. blank. Yeah. Here it is. Put that you puzzle know. piece in. And that's yeah, I mean, long. pretty much since like 2019. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Good Lord. Uh, well, congratulations, Bonnie. Thank you. Thank you so um, much, y'all. And I'm so happy that I get to share it with all of you. Yes, Star Trek so is such I a big part of my life. And I'm, yay. I'm I'm so happy that I get to ride your coattails. All right. Uh, <laughs> made it. Yeah. You're, you're big kid Trek now. Yeah. I honestly I honestly just stowed away on the ship and they had to give me something. They were like, oh, oh no, God. she won't leave. I mean, hell, that's how I got hired at Geek and Sundry. All right. 
That's how we all got hired. I know, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Watching the back door close enough, we just slipped right in and showed up on the soundstage. Uh, Who who had another announcement? Anybody else? Anybody at all? Yes, Sander. Okay. Uh, Yes, I've got some things tomorrow night. I'm going to be doing a one shot of Queers over on the Hyper RPG channel. Yeah. It's for their launch of their Kickstarter, which will be starting tomorrow. And it's like Power Rangers, Super Sentai meets uh, Sailor Moon Magical Girl, but all with gay energy and gay powers. And it's incredible. The manga is available on the Kickstarter and it's a beautiful read and, and a lot of fun. So we'll be doing the one shot tomorrow at 6 p.m. Pacific time over in Hyper RPG. Uh, one of the writers on Queers is my uh, game runner, Stephen J. Pope over on the Pantheon. Amazing. Oh, and if you miss Library Bards, we're, hey. we're on a virtual, yeah, we're on a virtual concert on Saturday for Gen Con. Friday. Friday. See, I don't know. Xander, this is why you have to announce them. <laughs> it's on Friday at Thank 5 p.m. Pacific time. Not only is it a library bard set with our friends, the Double Clicks, but Laser of the Double Clicks wrote a musical and we'll be performing selections from that musical. And you can mm-hmm. see stars such as Amy Dolan and Elisa Pearl singing these musical numbers. Nice. So make sure to tune in. God, I hope the computer has Bonnie-isms. Like, <laughs> I, I hope the computer just goes, oh, hold on, hold on. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I like, thinking, red I alert. I'm ready for the snort. I'm ready for the snort. Yeah. I would like, kill. I would kill can, if one of the Can kids. the computer oh, say computer. whoopsie doodle? I was yeah, going to say. I was going to say. Whoopsie doodle. Red alert. Red alert. Whoopsie doodle. <laughs> Clip it. No. Oh, thank you. Don't do it. No, <laughs> um, it's done. <laughs> all right. Do we have any? Uh, let me let me go ahead and just get this announcement out of the way, just in case uh, we we're at the end of the announcements here. Um, I'm going to save a lot of this for our final episode, but since we're in the final arc, I did just want to take a minute to thank everybody for helping us launch this show. Um, we started up in January of last year and uh, had no idea what was awaiting us. It was our first big campaign after uh, graduating from Geek and Sundry and into our own space. Um, the good news about Clear Skies is that we own this and we can come back to it whenever the hell we want and no one t- can tell us we can't. So this may not be the last time you see the stream punks jumping the stars and saving the day. So, um, But for now, uh, I just wanted to give a huge thank you to everyone who has supported us on Patreon. The Ox crew, holy hell, y'all showed up. And we deeply, deeply appreciate you. Uh, and uh, VOD squad, all y'all, everybody who has supported the show, thank you from the bottom of our hearts, we deeply appreciate it. Given the opportunity to come back to the world of Star Trek and play one more adventure. Um, that was my last announcement. Do we have any others? Uh, if you're in California, yeah. vote. Yes, vote if you're in California, for the love of God. More specifically, uh, yes. honestly, I, I, just vote no. <laughs> More specifically. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have, a, I have a quick thing that I wanted to say. If you missed Bonnie and I's uh, reading of um, oh, yeah. Summer Night's stream last week, it's oh, on yeah. YouTube and you should go and check it out. Um, I believe it's in the live action role play YouTube. I believe it's also on Bado for live action role play. But Bonnie played Helena and I played um, uh, Oberon and it was a lot of fun. Just like so. in Clear Skies. Clear Skies and yeah. Midsummer Summer Night's Dream, man. Yep. I don't know Aki, Aki killed it. It was so much fun. You killed it. And I I Wait, was like, not in the Uno. script. <laughs> <laughs> we, it, it was adapted, so we took some liberties <laughs> and, you know. Sure, sure. 
Yeah. And some awesome. lives, apparently. <laughs> also, we added some gay to it. So it was fabulous. Yeah. Bon- mm. Yeah. Uh, Lysander ended up falling for Demetrius. Demetrius? Yes. Perfect. As God intended. Something just came up. I have to go. I'm yeah. so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, and yeah, Bonnie absolutely fucking crushed it. So. Oh, cool. thank you. All right. Do we have anything else? Yes, Sam. Uh, well, I am going to be in a virtual Gen Con game as well. I'm going to be playing uh, Blackbirds under Rush Limbaugh. Uh, just, Jesus, meaning no fun to. Joseph Limbaugh. Thank you. Um, I'm very excited. <laughs> and put, okay, y'all, help me out here. Come on. We love you. We love you. We love we you. Love you're you. amazing. You, so you never much. do anything wrong. Yeah, it's lovely living on the internet. Everything's fine. Um, anyway, that's going to be on Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. So, um, at Gen Con Live? Yes. Fortunately, cool. there's VOD, so you can watch uh, our beloved robot friends and the double clicks and Xander and everyone. And then also VOD. Get you a platform can do both, but can never m- escape your own verbal mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, that's all I've got. That's all you got? Okay. Yeah, no, there's nothing else here. There's nothing else. So certainly. <laughs> all I right. Mean, well, then, I guess it's the first time for everything. Uh, if there's nothing else, then... Uh, excited. Uh, yeah. there, <laughs> there was genuine anxiety in the crew. Like, Jim was like, like panic. no, no, yeah. no. We only have three left. Should, should <laughs> one of us be excited instead? I don't understand. <laughs> Let's go ahead and jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies. Welcome back, everybody. We are going to get into our final episodes of Clear Skies tonight. Um, The journey begins tonight in a very unique way. We start with a personal log. Lieutenant Commander Xylus Vren's personal log, stardate 60359.87. Commander Xio has been encouraging me to journal more, and it's helped. 
we've had so many sessions where we get into how I like to use humor to deflect and hide. It's pretty tired, but here we are. Still trying to get used to it. I'm used to talking to people. Talking to my open quarters is a little weird still. Mm, but anyway, so much has changed. There's so much change on the horizon. So many things are coming and so many things are going. It's hard to keep up sometimes. Three months ago, I thought I was going to lose everything. The Ross. I thought I was going to lose the crew. My captain. I didn't realize that was something that scared me. I haven't been paying attention to what I've had here. But now I am. I don't want to miss any more of this. I've spent so much time hiding from people, hiding from myself and my future. The Ross is the first capital ship I've ever flown. And I didn't think I belonged here. And I think I spent so much time being afraid that I didn't belong, that I started missing the things that were happening around me. When we were all summoned to hearings, those hearings at Starfleet Command to explain our actions in the Alpha Quadrant, you know, the joy ride of taking a stolen ship on a crusade to ensure that the syndicate stayed dead. I was pretty sure that that was the last time I was ever going to step on board a starship. But that didn't bother me as much as realizing that I was never going to get a ball thrown at the back of my head again. Or hear Jane and her snide comments under her breath or get that side look from Prawl. I had all this regret because I realized this is how it ends. We're all going to get our asses court-martialed. And I spent so much time feeling so unworthy of it all that I missed it. And then none of that happened. The captain is super good at keeping their cool, all things considered, but I will never forget the look on their face when the hearing closed and the final judgment of the brass was an official accommodation. I really, I shouldn't go into details because it's a personal log and it's all classified now, but apparently if the Ross hadn't continued to pursue the leads we had on the true way, in spite of getting shitty orders to stop, Starfleet Intelligence wouldn't have had the final elements of the puzzle to take them down. And by the time we dropped the Jim Hadar off on DS9, the whole conspiracy was just blown open. Turns out the, that Cardassian legate that was the head of the whole mess... Turns out he had died in the Dominion War. And the real culprit? Well, let's just say Ambassador Olin was particularly happy to be there when the Dominion extradited Ambassador Nodron into Federation custody for a stint in a high security prison. I have never seen such a smug smile on Olin's face. That was a good day for the ambassador. Maybe there is some hope for peace on that side of the galaxy after all. And it was all possible because of some wicked, clever hacker kid we picked up on an unsanctioned mission to save the Quadrant from illegal slavery. 
And then there's the whole Exio saving Starbase 621 and rescuing a metric fuck ton of confessions of Cardassian rebels right off of their own warship that was detonating illegal subspace weapons. I really hope nobody finds this personal log. So, that's all good. Admiral Tagus Corps was furious to see the captain get out of the shitstorm with not just a pat on the head, but a shake of the hand. That was great. Uh, I think some humanoids have a different appreciation of the color blue than us Andorians. Everyone saw her turn kind of a purplish color, but I, I grew up seeing my mom turn those shades, and I'm telling you, she was going to explode. It's a miracle that she kept it under control. It was thoroughly satisfying. But what bugs me about all of it is there's still a shadow player somewhere out there. There's all of this talk of that third person. Apparently, that was some of the information that came back while they were on their away team. And I can't shake the feeling that that's in our future. But in the meantime, I've been making sure to take it all in. For the past three months, we've been making the long journey back to Starbase 364. Admiral Ree convinced the brass the further incidents with the particle fountains will likely be escalating there, thanks to the data we uncovered about it being the first domino that needs to fall. Ominous. Not to mention it's where we did our best work, in my opinion. Saying a lot, considering everything we just pulled off. I don't know why, but Narendra feels like homecoming. The crews enjoyed the long journey, but I think everyone knows that change is on the horizon. For many of us, our duty assignments will be coming to an end soon. Most of the OX crew is going to be transferring to new postings, maybe even some of the bridge crew. So where does that leave me? With my promotion to Lieutenant Commander, a future is opening up for me I couldn't see before. And I started asking myself big questions. Where do I go from here? Could I ever leave the Ross? If opportunity was calling. It's been gnawing on me. <clears throat> I started reading this memoir from Captain Riker. He had the same feelings about leaving the Enterprise. It wasn't easy for him either. And I can sympathize with that. So I've been taking some time to sort of explore the ship and really seeing the life that's been built here among the crew. <laughs> Last week in 10 Forward, there was this replicator malfunction caused most of the food to come out in rainbow colors. Folks were joking that the thing was haunted. And true to form, most of the crew begged for it to stay rainbow colored. And I sat back watching all the laughter and the frustration. I witnessed the teamwork of Petty Officer Malzier and their friend and colleague, Ensign Suja Maris, take the thing apart and try numerous times to fix it. I think Suja was enjoying herself, maybe a little too much. But Zier, on the other hand, they were grumpy. But still enjoying the work. I can tell. I've been around Prawl enough. I know when people are bullshitting about the work. Plus, they're Andorian Cation, so they're going to have to deal with 
anger issues throughout their life. And I think they're doing pretty well with them. But seeing that stuck with me. Watching those two surrounded by Ox crew laughing and raising their glasses when the thing got fixed. I don't know why I couldn't stop thinking about that. And then it happened again yesterday morning when I walked into sick bay and I saw Lieutenant Calum helping Lieutenant Shivalis study for their remote schooling. Shivalis is looking to transfer into medical and become a cybernetic technician specialist. And I watched them huddle over data pads and Kaylin quizzed her on between takes and tasks on her duty shift. McCrell even brought them tea. And then last night, there was this crew exhibition, this art exhibition on the promenade deck. There were hundreds of Ox crew there. A few of the senior staff, Commander Axio was a speaker. Whole thing had been organized and hosted by Lieutenant Corme, who had crafted this stunning nano sculpture of the Fixius Mountains range from their homeworld on Denobula. And all the holographic art is so damn cool. And seeing everybody chatting and hanging out, it finally struck me. The Ross, the Ross was commissioned to be the most diverse crew Starfleet has ever fielded. She was meant to be a symbol of a new era for the Federation in this post-war galaxy. At first, I think I felt a lot of pressure that I had to measure up to some kind of expectation. But After serving aboard the ship, it's finally brought home to me that we're all a galactic family. And that the Ross and this ship is sort of a microcosm of that simple and profound truth. Nothing Nothing ever turns out the way you think it will. And maybe what happens next in life doesn't measure up to expectations. But if you pay attention to it, if you can find the love in what you do, you'll always be the better for it. And you'll always be grateful for that one moment in time when you got to be part of something truly special something you didn't expect to find. You got to be part of a family. In personal log. We start the scene off with Vren sitting in the Helms chair, 30 minutes out from Narendra Station. He swivels in the chair and looks back at you, Captain, and says, maintaining speed, Captain, we're on track. Destination in the Ranger Station should be arriving in about 30 minutes. Mm. All right. I tap the back of Axios' chair. Seat backs up. Yes, Captain. 
Uh, Exio has replaced the ball next to you. It's, <laughs> it, it's green now and uh, a little softer, but it has a bit of a light up. I lean in very close. Am I being toyed with? I could never understand what you mean, Captain. Toss. Toss. <laughs> Bounce it once on the ground just to get the feel of it. I thought it could ease stress. We'll see. And Sol sits back mm -hmm. and waits three minutes and 30 seconds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, catching the periphery of your vision, Lacat, as you just see this blinking ball just right off the back of Vryn's head. And Vryn just shakes his head with a smile, and you just he keeps going to work on his console. Doesn't say anything. The light's a nice touch. Be thankful I didn't go with the one that had a tune. <laughs> Don't tempt me. About that point, turbo lift doors open, and Ambassador Olin Marginil steps onto the bridge. Fuck at the ball like I wasn't doing anything. Okay, <laughs> you popped that up. Um, you can see on the main view screen uh, that uh, there is a tactical readout of the approach on Arendra Station. You're about 28 minutes out. Well, no, because three minutes and 30 seconds have passed. So, <laughs> yeah. Ambassador. Exio, Captain. They, you know, walk down the ramp. Patience is falling behind. They take their seat. They give a nod to Prawl on the way down. Prawl gives a nod back. Continues running the standard scans. Are you a part of the conspiracy? Conspiracy? I, I don't believe I know what you're talking about. I look back to Exio. Are they part of the conspiracy? Exio just starts uh, and just starts singing a little tune. <laughs> uh, that is incredibly annoying, but at like half volume. Hmm. Couldn't understand what you mean, Captain. How are you, Ambassador? Are you ready to arrive at Narendra? <laughs> I have to admit, I still can't quite believe we're back here. <sighs> I am just glad that we got away before they could change their minds. Indeed. Um, that uh, is indeed the most important thing to be happy about. You're not wrong. <laughs> oh, no, no. It doesn't have to be the most important for all of us. It's always good to see one's foe brought down to nothing. You may enjoy that the most. I appreciate your leniency, Captain. <laughs> Uh, did you put in that order, by the way? 
for the thing. Um, just a moment. And they like go over to like their little side panel to text something because I'm also about to text Sam. Okay. Exio <laughs> just sort of looks between the two of them and just goes, I'm going to make my rounds and stands up and just starts uh, going through the crew members on the bridge to make sure they okay. have everything they need. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going examining some of the duty stations to make sure everything's in order. Well, yeah. To conspire. Yeah. <laughs> when someone literally turns to data pad the person <laughs> next to you, it's usually a sign to maybe leave. Yeah. They're just texting each other face to face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. You you stay and you pick up the note that was passed during class after class. Sure. But get yeah, it out Olin, of their desk at recess. Olin and, sends off a quick message and sort of folds their hands back in their lap. Sol waits a bit of time. They slide of hand their pad. They know perfectly well they aren't being smooth. It's just that like there's a certain commitment to trade craft, even if we are very poorly and obviously passing notes. And they give a quick. Excellent. And then they bounce the ball on the floor so people stop thinking about paying attention. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing Orwell's not on the bridge right now. <laughs> <laughs> Pure chaos. I think that the ball was the, the first sign that maybe Orwell shouldn't be on the bridge anymore. Oh. Mm. See, this is the worst thing about having a senior staff with common sense and impulse control. Well, patience comes by it, honestly. Oh. And this is why uh, we can't have one on the bridge anymore. This is why. Mm -hmm. There's always something that must be traded. <laughs> the sacrifices we make in the name of society. Hmm. So what is the first thing you intend to do when you get on board the station, aside from your debrief, after all? Well, stars only know what that debrief and subsequent rebrief is going to bring. I did not get any kind of rundown of what our mission profile is going to be once we get there. These are the joys of Starfleet. You will learn what you need to know after you need to know it and not a moment sooner. Hmm. That sounds about right, even on my side of things. Mm. Which is difficult when you're doing a job when you're supposed to be one of the first people to know. If we couldn't take a joke, we wouldn't have accepted the position. Fair enough. It is going to take a little time to get used to not being like within seconds of receiving a response from anyone. <sighs> Disconnecting once again, yes. I'm going to see Ambassador Jahl. Oh, good. Did you keep in touch while you were in the Alpha Quadrant? How is he doing? As far as I know, he's doing well. I, I contacted him once or twice. He's Ambassador Jaw, I don't think he's ever not in something resembling a good mood, no matter how grumpy he appears to be. And that's the best thing about coming back here. We get to work with people you really like. Hmm. Are um, you saying this loud enough for Jane to hear? 
I think this uh, is a conversation with Jane's capacity grade. for eavesdropping. hundred <laughs> percent. Again, <laughs> the ball was bounced to signal turn off your ears for a sec. But we know that that isn't how ears work. So yes, no. please, absolutely. Because you say to be fair, to that is how them. my ears work. It is. <laughs> um. The second that you say that you're going to go see Ambassador Joel, you see Jane swivel around in her chair and go, that's after you do the thing with me, though, right? Yes, that is after I do the thing with you. Correct. Okay, because, I mean, like, it's kind of growing on me. And she points up, she, she like, holds up her forearm. And on her forearm, uh, in the last three months, she's obtained a tattoo of a goose. Um, the, uh, that you know that she has uh, um, essentially acquired because she lost a bet. So you're going to go get tattoos with her um, and touch up her <laughs> tattoos. Y'all are sailors <laughs> now. So I, I believe that Olin has like this elaborate back piece that they're, they've been looking at probably. So um, perfect. Perfect. A sailor went to space, space, space. <laughs> see what they would face, face, face. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Ambassador Joel, second. You should come As with me. It should be. We can drink some blood wine together. I will be drinking a lot of blood wine before I go do this because turns out, not a big fan of needles. Who would have thought? But here we are. Fairly certain you're not allowed to be under the influence while getting a tattoo. You can, but it's a bad, bad idea. And Assault just scratches the spot on their shoulder knowingly. <laughs> Wait, does Jane know what tattoo you have on your shoulder? I mean, she must have seen it when you've were gone. Were you on the away mission when they were dressed skimpy? Because anyone who was saw mm -hmm. that they have really extensive uh, cultural tats. Art. Yeah, oh, that's right. Uh, they may well have worn at least something without, like, I think of Orion formal wear, anything like that. They've been on the bridge at some point. Like, I think it's fairly new. Sure. Captain, if you have a good tattoo guy, I definitely want to know. I, I have a then, specialist. Yeah, Olin Great. has leaned, like, a little bit closer to, to Sol with an eyebrow raise. Vren swivels in the chair and says, there is, there is, and Prawl immediately speaks up and cuts him off and says, no, do not recommend that one. Do not recommend him. And Vren just goes, okay, swivels back. Uh, Jane uh, swivels in her chair, looks at Prawl, and like, why would you, and, and then turns to Vren and says, I think, I think you're now required it's a Klingon tattoo artist on Narendra, and I don't rec. Well, I was gonna recommend him, but Prawl may have a point. Uh, I, I think he's funny. Uh, Exio puts uh, her hand on uh, the shoulder of Ren and just goes, "If you would, if you would be um, pleased, I could acquire a tattoo license, as my illustrations would be probably perfect. Probably perfect. I think that would be fantastic. Why do? Oh my gosh. Oh." Okay, I don't know how long we're stationed on Narendra, but Exio should absolutely open up a tattoo parlor, right? I mean, when you're not being a counselor and the commander of a, a starship. Maybe we're just going to have talents. a tattoo party. Yeah. Exio goes party. blank and she just looks back up and goes, license required, acquired. <laughs> uh, bridge crew tattoo party. 
<laughs> I'm afraid mine will have to be slightly differently applied. I am actually. And then Exio to... just all of a sudden her arm <laughs> reveals and she's got a bunch of ink. <laughs> <laughs> just look at that prop work. Wow. <laughs> True commitment. <laughs> this is improv. That's the level of preparation you get yeah. from Gina DeVita. Yeah. This conversation could have gone anywhere. Yeah. She would have been prepared. Gina deliberately spent a couple of hundred bucks in a couple of weeks <laughs> and got a tattoo for this moment for this. in clear skies. Yeah, I, so. I was told at a very young age by a medium that this would happen. Somebody, um, somebody in a Starfleet uniform that had just jumped through time approached Gina. Time kids. It's all yep. connected. That's how it all connects. Oh, boy. Uh, if there's nothing else, though, we can go ahead and jump to the arrival at Narendra Station. Yeah, what's up? May I, I reseat? <laughs> Just, <laughs> are you done? <laughs> oh, yes. I'm sorry. Get over here, oh, Blip. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I wanted to check. So uh, the last time that I was here, we were on an away mission, and there was a certain Lena Bloom, a human teenager. Now, remind my refresh my memory. Did she come along with us? She is not aboard the Ross, but she did return with the Ross. Okay, so. And had a hand in decrypting some messages that got one Dominion ambassador busted. Mm. If but possible. That was, off, that was off game, yeah. Would it be okay that Tech has brought her on uh, as sort of like under his wing uh, in engineering? Not uh, in official so, capacity. Well, so she was actually getting ready to attend the academy. She was already applying ah. and putting in application. However, gotcha. <laughs> um, uh, if you want to maintain contact with her yes. constantly, because she's probably, you two probably have a pen pal situation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so uh, we've been definitely in communication, uh, and not only that, uh, Tech has a data pad full of sort of her vitals that she's been sending over and is now walking into Medbay uh, to see Dr. McCrell. Okay. Stepping into the Medbay, you see Chief Tech step around the corner, move past a couple of your nurses and approach your office. I think this is it. This might be the final check of her vitals before she gets into the academy. I, I hope everything goes well. Uh, I grab the pad and, and look it over. Uh, it's extensive. But what's amazing about the, the medical readouts that you would notice, McCrell, is she has an astonishing amount of neurological activity. Her brain operates on a full magnitude level, more processing power than you see in most human brains. She is, she is quite the protege, as it were. Ha ha! You saying she's a Star Trek protege? Possibly. Um. Okay. <laughs> um. As I look over the, as I look over the data pad, uh, I look back at Tech, and I was like, and say, um, I believe that she will be exceptional in any track that she decides to take in Starfleet. Perhaps now, even multiple. I know that we were a little bit worried about any sort of genetic modification or anything, but it, it seems like everything's okay. Eric? <laughs> she is not registered as a genetically engineered soon-to-be Khan uh, Noonien Singh 
Well, I never. <laughs> Just thankfully, checking. Thankfully, <laughs> a- Amy's character is not going to be the next villain of the Star <laughs> But uh, gonna, no, it, it looks like it looks like she's just an incredibly gifted young woman that has uh, a. It just a natural talent to understanding computer systems. Okay. I'm going to look at tech and be like, she is as healthy as a large pony. I believe that's good in human terms. Yes, I, I think so. Yes. Uh, they say this when you have exceptional health. Oh. So she's well. like a large pony with an, exec- an exceptional genius brain. Well, thanks to you, Doctor, <laughs> I also feel like a large pony. So thank you. Yes, Tech, you are also as healthy as a large, maybe not quite as large a uh, pony, more like a... Um, Is the the wideness the healthiness level or... I'm, I'm just saying, like her, you know, she is young and, and I... vibrant and... Uh. I you are also very like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just had the pad back. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Doctor. You're not sure what just happened in the past yeah. 20 seconds, but you take the You pad are back. also, yeah, I'll, I'll scan <laughs> you really fast just to make sure and be like, <laughs> yes, you are healthy as like large pony. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thanks, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you request scenes with me. Xander, why? <laughs> just don't come into sick bay. Just turn around. <laughs> I'll leave. <laughs> don't come to sick bay. <laughs> Bonnie Gordon <laughs> as Dr. McCrell. The new slogan. September of you Go to counseling. Yeah. You can see how far we've come since Shield of Tomorrow. <laughs> Go to counseling. Just don't come to sick bay. And 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 you and you'll see McCrell's bouncing a, a, a ball just like that the captain has that uh that was given to her by Exio um, to also deal with stress, <laughs> since she's since she's tampering off her tea. <laughs> Exio just handing out balls. There was a discount. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they oh, came in bulk. <laughs> all right, all right. It was a pinball machine. It was very the fun. The replicator was giving a discount on something that's free. <laughs> Exio gets all her balls in bulk. Everyone knows this. Okay. This is true. <laughs> I'm just saying, they light up. I'm going to mute myself again. Okay. I'm going to go back to engineering and prepare for coming into Narendra Station. All right. That's so, all. Tech, you head out of sick bay. Um, the best part of arriving at Narendra Station is seeing you guys coming out of warp on the view screen and seeing that big, beautiful blue dot grow larger and larger. You can already see from a distance um, the ship activity that is moving through here. And as you approach, you hear coming through the comms, uh, Prawl says, Captain, we're being hailed by Narendra Station. On screen. You see Admiral April Hebert's face pop up on the screen and she goes, well, damn, I thought I'd gotten rid of you. Alas, we persevere and have returned. You know, I've been following the news, being an admiral and all, oh. and I can't help but notice how you basically burned the rule book to ash, went and did your own thing, and came out squeaky clean on that. Now, I'm just curious, how did Admiral Tragus Corps take that? <laughs> 
I am told mm. that that color of purple is very seasonable. Yeah. It is, ma'am. Vren speaks up. <laughs> and Thank you, Lieutenant Commander. Vren gives you a quick glance. Jane just kind of glances over at you and just kind of like this grin on his face. Did he just win another bet? Speaking out of turn. <laughs> like three bets off that the, one. The goose tattoo just got a little bit bigger. <laughs> goose tat. Um, The Admiral, smiling and nodding, takes a moment before she goes into an update. You see her lean back in her chair and she folds her hands together and says, well, Captain, there's been a couple of things that have changed since you've been gone, but something has happened recently in just the past 24 hours, and I can't think it's a coincidence with your return. Some news, and I'm going to go ahead and preface this, Captain, with assuring you that he is okay. However, there was an attempt on Sorex's life last night. He is currently in sick bay right now in stable condition, but in serious condition. The would-be assassin was a Klingon who has since been arrested by General Kolar. And despite my protests, he has been summarily executed after a what General Carl Kolar would call a failed interrogation. Now, we know that Sorex will be waking up relatively soon, and if he's up for it, he'll be available for questioning. Everything's been pretty quiet here since you left until last evening. Well, I suppose... We wanted to ensure that things weren't too quiet. We'll get right on it, Admiral. Well, I'll fill you in on the rest. Uh, if you could do me a favor, though, I would like to request your presence and Chief Tech's presence in my office, as you well, Commander, as soon as you arrive. Absolutely, Admiral. I'll see you when you get here. Narendra out. So out. As it cuts off, immediately Vren swivels back and says, I thought Sorex was heading back to Romulus. That's what I recall. Look over at other bridge officers, right? That was the last information I knew, Captain. What's the last thing Olin knew? Mm. Olin, the few times you've had conversations with Sorex across subspace, he was still at Narendra Station. You haven't spoken to him in quite a while, but you have the same understanding because that was the last information that was imparted to you was that Sorex intended to head back to Romulus. After everything that had gone down, it was finally safe for him to return home. You thought that's where he was headed. The ambassador, the Romulan ambassador, did offer him a position at Narendra Station, but you never found out if he took it or not. Either something is going on on the station that isn't important enough for him to have wanted to stay, or he accepted the ambassador's position offer and stayed in that capacity. Or he was waiting for us. To what All purpose? Presumably inform us of something we'll 
desperately need to know. And we'll need to work the Klingon side as well, try to get some sort of information out of them since they decided to summarily execute the assailant. Someone should tell the doctor. She'll want to know. Yes. Right away. Now coming into range in the ranger station, Captain. With your permission, I'll go ahead and initiate docking procedures. Bring us in. Remember, there are some people who haven't seen us around here before, so be impressive. Not a problem, Captain. Slowing to one quarter impulse power. Narendra Station, this is the USS Ross requesting docking procedures. You hear Narendra Station say, USS Ross, this is Narendra Station. Permission granted. Welcome home. You all begin to pull closer into the space dock, and you can see... uh, Indeed, a lot of civilian craft are stationed here. Two of them immediately jump out to all of you. Um, you see a couple of civilian craft. You wit- you do see a very familiar-looking Ferengi vessel. Uh, it, it is, it is in all of its glory. You see a Ferengi Marauder vessel is currently in orbit around Narendra Station. Yeah. But you also see a Vorcha-class Klingon warship, which isn't a surprise because the Kavat has been stationed here since you guys have been here. And there she is again, just off uh, the port. You can see um, also the USS Johnson is currently in port. Intrepid class, captained by Amelia Dalton. And Aside from that, is a lot of civilian activity. It's like it was when you left. The doors of the turbo lift open, and stepping down out of the turbo lift onto the bridge, you see a very excited looking Dr. Yugos, who stops sort of just behind Vren and looks at Narendra Station longingly, and he goes, So close to home. You're making plans to visit. I feel like I should. It's been months since I've been back, but we'll see. We'll see where the galactic winds take me. If I'm still welcome here, Captain, I'd like to continue my work. Dr. Yada and I have formed quite the rapport. Oh, welcome here as long as it's my place to say it and since that term has been extended just a little longer by the star's grace you're welcome aboard oh dr yugas uh if you uh i i've been meaning to ask you now that you brought it up um should you take some vacation days and they align with mine i would love to accompany back home really uh, I would, I would love that. Yes. Uh, oh, it would be close to the beginning of our winter year on Jashashia right now. Oh, I hear it's I've lovely. Been to, I've been wanting to see it ever since the, the ecology has begun to, to form. I, 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 ever since the, the birth of the crystalline entity, uh, I've heard remarkable things are happening on my home world. I'm very excited to see it. We might be the first witnesses to an entirely new ecosystem being born for the very first time. And it would be my absolute pleasure to be there. 
Good, good, good. Uh, make sure to warm up your elbows. There'll be a lot of handshaking. shaking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I'm always warm. Oh, that's true, isn't it? Yes, photonic energy and all. Yes, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> Couldn't oh. possibly be. Otherwise, why would we have needed to burn the rule book for warmth? <laughs> and you hear Vren say, docking complete. We're at full stop, taking the mains offline. And you go, the Ross goes into standby, as it were, as docking is completed. It's not uh, reattaching a separated saucer, but uh, not too bad in docking, I would say. I know she was built to be in two pieces, and yet just hearing that it happened. I already sent you an apology fruit basket. <laughs> I liked the kiwi. Ambassador, right. let us know if you find something out from the Klingons. We should probably also stop by the Romulan ambassador's um, office as well. Go ahead and do the rounds, see what's going on out here. Let us know anything you know. The commander and I have to go take the chief to see an admiral. Perhaps I can debrief you over dinner tonight? That sounds lovely. Absolutely. Vryn swivels in the chair and looks at you, Jane, and says, okay, so if you don't have a date, do you want to go maybe grab a drink in the promenade? It's been a hot minute. It's been a hot second. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. What was yeah. that drink again? The mala something? And as the two of you stand mala. up and start heading for the turbo, re turbo lift. Please um, don't come to the tattoo parlor too wasted. <laughs> No, I've already rescheduled our appointment, so you can go do your ambassador stuff first, because I suppose that is more important. <laughs> I want to do this without you. You can't get out of this one. She's the door closes. You, just see just, you can't get out holding the notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, one by one, crew disembark. A lot of people, now that the Ross is being restationed here at Narendra Station, it's kind of a homecoming for a lot of the Ox crew. And a lot of the Ox crew have already requested, those who are not looking to transfer off the Ross in the coming uh, weeks, um, have requested quarters once again here on Narendra Station. The first thing you all notice, though, is when you all enter into Narendra Station, there's a lot more Starfleet here than there was last time and a lot less Klingons. You seems like the Klingon population has switched sides with how many Starfleet to Klingon ratio there is. And now you're seeing a lot more of the uniforms. You're also seeing a lot more diversity in the uniforms as well. Starfleet has started to diversify a lot of its uniforms based off of where and what ships people are serving on. So as you are all looking around, it's looking like a whole new station in many ways. However, blessedly, there are a lot of newly installed holographic projection uh, nodes all over the main promenade now. There's no- For little old me? Yeah, there is no longer a, a corridor that you could walk. You can literally have free range of the main promenade deck, which is the entire upper half of the star base. Uh, yeah. I spend my free time today writing, because I still, I still sometimes do uh, seminars to mm -hmm. sort of encourage and spread uh, holograms, sort of. Uh, holograms all friends. Uh, yeah, essentially, um, to kind of get people used to the idea of holograms being in charge of uh, Hologanda? 
fake. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to expand on that, Gina, because at yeah. this point, after your tours of duty here on the USS Ross, there's yeah. no way you would not be in direct contact with the doctor. Exactly. Like, I've been doing like the, our TED Talks. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think the two of you at this point, at this stage in your career, the mm -hmm. two of you are the most prominent photonic life forms in Starfleet. And as a result of that, I think the two of you are constantly exchanging notes and setting up uh, discussions. And Great. I, yeah. I'm, I'm hosting a full, after we have our meeting, I'm hosting like interviews and writing a full sort of like mock-up essay of accessibility on starships for, and for on star bases for holograms and other, holographic beings and other. Okay. No, I'm about ramps, you're about lamps. Yes. That's going to be Took the next the whole campaign. campaign, but I got there. The, the next campaign is ramps and lamps. <laughs> <laughs> A skin right. of lasers and feelings. Um, when you step into the Admiral's office in the, in the sort of the secretary to office area, you do see commander Cybeck who is holding a data pad and looks up at the two of you approach, places it down and says, ah, Captain Sol, welcome back to Narendra Station, Commander. The Admiral is expecting you, please follow me. I'll come along, I'll just be here. Tech waddles along behind them. He doesn't really acknowledge you, Tech. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Here's this brief hitch in Sol's step where they think of making a thing of it. <laughs> um, and then they continue. Okay. Exo yeah, just thinks it's for the best. <laughs> uh, as you enter into the Admiral's office, she is currently sitting behind her desk. You see a Narendra station. You, of course, have that beautiful view of the USS Ross. You also have a really good view of the liquidator, which is in orbit right now. Um, and you see her. She's looking at a data pad. She closes uh, one of her data pads up and sets it down, slaps the top of the desk as she stands up. And... Uh, Typical of her five foot three frame, you just see her kind of puff it up and she shakes her head and she goes, Well, 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 here we are. Get your asses in here. Take a seat. That's not Chief not. Tech, thank you for joining us. You're Hi, here by my specific request. It's good to be invited. And he'll say that right at Cyvek. Cyvek <laughs> immediately responds and says, Can I get you anything? Uh, no, that'll be fine, Cyvek. We'll just use the replicators. Well, why don't we go ahead and take a seat, Cybek? That'll be all. Cybek nods. The commander turns and shh. Well, it's good to have you back. Good to be back. I was worried they were going to promote you onward and upward before we ever got a chance to be back here and working together. Well, that's probably on the horizon, if I could be perfectly honest with you. But we get this time. <laughs> Congratulations, well, I mean, Admiral. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Commander. Well, my favorite part about this, Captain, is the fact that it was my, if I may say so, selfless actions that sent you away from me. But now, because you were a pain in the ass, you get sent back and... We get to do this all over again. What greater pleasure 
could there possibly be than getting in trouble and being rewarded with your stern, thoughtful leadership? That's what I was going to say. Well, let's go ahead and get things rolling here. Ever since some of the data that you've been giving to Starfleet Command, we've been using long-range sensors to keep an eye on anything unusual. Specifically, um, oh, and that reminds me. She stops in mid-sentence and turns and says, Chief Tech, you're in on the big kids meeting, so I'm going to take it that you're not going to repeat anything I'm saying. Uh, Who would I repeat it to? No, no, Admiral, no. Okay. Well... As I was saying, we've had long-range sensors constantly directed at PF283, which is the particle fountain you discovered before uh-huh. uh, making first contact with the Jashashians. So far, we haven't detected anything unusual, but with the data that you've presented us, and now with Starfleet's finest minds on the case, along with your Dr. Yada and Dr. Yugos, we think that if something was going to happen, it's going to happen there. When you say something happening, do you mean an eruption? What I mean, Chief Tech, is not all of the players have been caught just yet. (gasps) Captain Saul managed to head off the involvement of the Orion Syndicate, and we managed to uncover fraud that was the true way threat. Mm. But thanks to your unsanctioned mission we were able to discover through that brilliant kid of yours that there is a third person out there that was helping orchestrate the whole business Mm. between Ambassador Nodron and the Orion Syndicate. We just don't know why or what the goal is. But if they intend on proceeding, if they haven't gone to ground and they try to roll hard six, they're probably going to do it at this particular particle fountain. So we've been keeping an eye on it. It's all we can do. We don't have any other leads. The Tholians have been quiet in this neighborhood while we've been gone. The Catechist has not been spotted in months. So I don't know if they finally returned to their side of the galaxy or if they're out there still messing around, but we haven't seen any evidence that the Catechist is been in system or in or in the sector for that matter maybe they finally took a hint or maybe they didn't like to see a klingon battle cruiser patrolling the area although tholians it's hard to tell you don't know what intimidates them you don't know what pisses them off you don't know if they're capable of either one of those feelings they have their own motivations i assure you plenty of us said that about humans as well once upon a time so that's the more important updates. And of course, Sorex, he was shot at point blank with a disruptor. Oh. He should be dead. But thankfully, medical staff was close by. He's currently on the heel. Klingon staff has been slowly pulling down their numbers. They've been drawing down their presence at Narendra Station for the past six weeks. And this wasn't unexpected. 
the Klingons have become more and more convinced that their borders to the north are where they should be directing their focus. Not so much interested in Shackleton Expanse right now. If I could say so, I have a feeling that people are slowly starting to slide back into the old habits and some of the goodwill that we had in the aftermath of the Dominion War is starting to wane. We all knew that was going to happen. The less cynical among us might venture that Klingons feel comfortable drawing down troops here because they do not feel threatened by our presence. A good point. Yes, thanks to thanks to Chancellor Martok, things are going pretty well between the Federation and the Klingon Empire. If, Although Martok has gotten into a bit of trouble lately in his own political circles. If for whatever reason this does come to a head at this particle fountain, do we feel comfortable asking the Klingons for aid? Perhaps ships to be there? It depends on who's involved. But if it's more Cardassians, it might be difficult to take the Klingons off the case. And let me just go ahead on record and say that if that happens, this is where things will get messy for us. So far at Narendra Station, we've managed to operate with a common goal in mind. But if we start getting into issues like jurisdiction and combat, Narendra Station is, un is Federation Klingon territory, but outside this sector, We've agreed that it is unexplored, unclaimed space. The only exception has been Jashashia. Well, then what's your measure of this general Kolar? Kolar? Well, Kolar wanted this position. I'm wondering if that makes him a visionary or if he likes the quiet life. I don't know. But so far... He's been delightful dining company. I didn't think I'd find a Klingon funny. That's <laughs> mostly the ambassador's fault. Jal thinks everything is funny. It's not. He thinks it is. It's not. Kolar, on the other hand, knows how to tell a joke. I don't really have much more of a measure of him than that. Aside from the fact that he was very quick to interrogate the Klingon and execute him, and he has been frustratingly closed off at what he found out in the interrogation. I don't think he's going to hide it from me, but I think he's got the Klingon first mentality, even though it was technically a Romulan citizen that was attacked. But since it was a Klingon that did the attacking, I'm sure the Klingons feel like they have a diplomatic responsibility to handle this quickly and silently. Any chance we can get any information out of him? I'm sorry, what was that? Any chance we could get any information out of Kolar about this interrogation? Is it even worth talking to him? It's worth it. He might be willing to talk soon enough. I don't know when his mind is going to change. My concern is Pagino has been oddly quiet about all of this. Hmm. He extended his concerns, visited Sorex, lodged a formal complaint, did all the stuff that you do, and then went back to work. I don't know if that's just typical cold way of doing the things that Romulans do, but that was that. Sounds like it didn't sit right with you. I expected Pagino to make more noise, if I could be honest with you, Captain. 
Pacino has been an idealist ever since he got here. He's been advocating himself as somebody who's interested in like, you know, equal rights between the Romulans and the Riemann people. He's much more interested. He's angling for a position as Praetor. I know he is. Everyone knows he is. So when the citizen of Romulus comes under attack, especially the son of an admiral, I expected him to kind of make some noise. But he's been oddly calm. I don't know if that shows trust, or maybe he just doesn't like Sorex. Hmm. Sulla's going to sit back, maybe look over to Exio and Chief to tank conversation, mm. and effectively text under the table to Olin mm -hmm. about this. <laughs> like, um, not, not especially yeah. trying to sneak about it, but this is obviously directly relevant to the ambassador, so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, has Sorex woken up since we've arrived or, or previous, or has he been sedated the entire time for healing? Well, currently, Commander Nerea has told me that Sorex should be waking up at any moment now, but that he is still in serious condition and will not be leaving the bed for some time. Seems like we're going to have to be using our medical facilities to give Sorex a few new body parts. Well, I'm sure our doctor would love to work very closely. In truth, being that your doctor was his chief medical officer for a while, it might be worth having them work together, yes. I'm, I'm, I, I know for a fact that would please her greatly. This okay, patient well, is very dear to her. I'll make sure it happens then. Is there any leads on motivation for someone shooting Sorex besides just anger? Well, at first they wanted to write it off to Klingon Romulan tension. Sure. It's possible that's what it is, but I don't think so. And forgive me, was this a Klingon stationed aboard? Mm-hmm. She nods. Yeah. And there's been no tension between them previous to this incident? Well, to be fair, there's only been two Romulans and a Riemann on board this entire station this whole time. I don't know what Sorex's activities have been, but security logs have shown that he leads a pretty normal life and spends most of his time working with the ambassador. If you don't mind, I'd like to take a look at the station's computers, see if maybe anything was tampered with or find something out myself. About that, she swivels to you and says, I've been talking with your captain here. Uh-oh. Commander, I don't know how you feel about this, so this is going to come as a bit of a surprise to you, too. So just bear with me here. Since uh, Chief Tech is also uh, a crew member of yours and a good friend, but uh, Captain Sol and I have been talking. She gets up from her desk and comes around to the front of the desk and leans against it. She has something in her hand, and she says, Chief Tech, I don't know what your future plans are, but... If you're interested in seeing just how far you can go, and she sets down a small box, pulls it open, and you see Lieutenant Commander Pips. <gasps> and she says, Narendra Station could certainly use a chief engineer. Can, can I think about it? You should think about it. 
and being an admiral means I can skip any steps I want. And the duty, your service record on board the USS Ross has been extraordinary. I don't know what your future looks like to you, but if you want this, it's yours for the taking. As soon as you're all wrapped up on the Ross, you would report directly to me as chief engineer of Starbase. Wow. Let me know how you feel about that. These will be waiting for you. She closes it, sets it back down. Well, um, I'll take a look at the computers then. <laughs> I'll get you in touch with my uh, chief of security. Well, I think that'll do it for now. I'll let you know if anything changes. Thank you, Admiral. Thank you. Dismissed. I shoulder check uh, the chief a little bit on the way out. Wow. You all step out of the Admiral's office and into the main promenade. I know, Blip, you don't have to say it. I'm a yeah. bastard. I'm mortgaging <laughs> away the best engineer we'll ever have. I'm just mad you didn't tell me first. I would have got another basket. There are so many sails. I... You think I'm going to get on the wrong side of the lady with the bars who's offering the pips? Almost too, almost like haunting timing. The doors behind you open up and Admiral April Aber steps out of the office like she was trying to catch up to you. Oh. Ah. oh. Sorry. <clears throat> I meant to harass you about something before I dismissed you. You have a moment. All three of us or just one or two? Chief, you can, you're dismissed. You can go about your business. Yes, Admiral. I give you a little hand squeeze on the way. Mm. All know, right, Captain. annoy away. Captain, do you want to have this conversation here? What are you doing? Quick read, just do you I? You have a feeling you know exactly what she's hinting at. Yeah. Discussions that you've been having with Admiral Nolisari discussions that she has discussed about you and plans plotting these sorts of things well there is she always like, plans and there is always plotting she looks like she's looking to you for to, to see what you think you know if you're offering i really was hoping to grab a glass of apple juice or something from your replicator before i got about my duties would you mind and i point back to the office not at all. It's been a hot minute since I've been able to have a good glass of apple juice. Exio, why don't you join us for a moment? All right. I don't have a specific memory assigned to that, but I'm sure I can employ Chief Tech later. I'm not used to dealing with <laughs> captains coming into my, into my office. Come on, step in back inside. It's good to have everybody back. It's nice to have a command staff to talk to. As I you all would imagine that Savick's such a good conversationalist. As you all step back into <laughs> the uh, the Admiral's quarters, she just I says, repeat again, what is going on? Well, uh... <laughs> You're making me nervous. I don't like it. She holds up a data pad and says, I can't believe I almost forgot to talk to you about this. But I needed the captain's permission before I brought it up. And I'm guessing I've got it. I just, I turn around from the replicator where I'm making, just hold up the glass, like, yeah. 
Are those bubbles? <laughs> huh. I've never had a, this one with bubbles. Commander, the captain, off, the captain has been offered a new command. No. Starfleet's offering Captain Sol the USS Sovereign. tissue. This is relevant to you, Commander. I know where this is going. I just need a moment. She smiles and glances down at you, Saul. Captain, how could you? Commander, it's not just the captain's recommendations that have been passed down. The truth of the matter is, is you're taking command and the job you performed during the rescue of that Cardassian warship managed to quiet a lot of the cynics back at Starfleet Command. Being now, exemplary tends to. None of this is a done deal. And Captain Sol has not accepted yet. However... Why ever not? It's contingent. Blip. Not taking one unless I know the other is locked down. Always like you, making extra concessions. Well, am I taking the apple juice? And are you taking the job? I look to a bear like, are we, are we good for this? Is this gonna? It's on your call, Captain. It's a big decision to make. The Ross was your first capital class starship and you never forget your first love. And I know she's one of a kind, but Starfleet has plans for you. It's up to you whether or not you wanna take it. And it'll be a few weeks before any kind of transfers happen, but when the Ross finishes her first crew cycle, Exio, I want you to know that despite the enormous amount of pressure that's gonna be placed upon you, which I'm sure you're gonna handle just fine, you're gonna have the full support of me and a lot of allies back in Starfleet Command. The truth of the matter is, is no one else could command the USS Ross. You are the perfect choice for the center chair. You will also, if this transfer goes through, be given your full selection of crew and you'll be able to build the ship that you want, Commander, the way Captain Sol has, hopefully as brilliantly as Captain Sol has. Impossible. Captain, I request eye contact. <laughs> Thank you. I, I sort of avoid it for a moment. I like I get first draft from Commander Brogan on the Sovereign. Don't you even try. He's too valuable. Look what I got. And then I look <laughs> I got all of you. Are you ready to move on? 
ready for you to have what you always deserved. So soon. So long. When the time comes, I look forward to our ships crossing paths. That much power? The Quadrant can hold it. Well, I hear the, the, the universe has been uh, releasing some of its pressure lately, so maybe it has room for us. Both. In this galaxy. It's gonna have to. <sighs> Welcome to your apple juice memory. <sighs> I sort of well. just twine arm around and... <sighs> Oh, nothing. I taste nothing yet. <laughs> this feels pretty good. Abriel <sighs> steps, steps forward and extends her hand. She says, it'll take a few weeks for this to all clear through, but let me be the first one to say congratulations, Captain. <sighs> the, for a tiny moment, she looks uh, at, at, and then realizes it's, it's to her. Yeah. And, oh. Admiral April Abriel is looking right at you when she says it. Oh. Direct eye contact. I'm going to sit down. <laughs> You're starting to get a good sense of what Vren feels like every day of his life. <laughs> <laughs> um, and with that, Abair turns Gives to on Vren. Yeah. <laughs> Vren. Um, Abair turns to you, Saul, and says, I'm going to give you one piece of advice, Captain. The Sovereign is likely going to be your last command. I have no doubt in my mind Starfleet has the Admiral Bars ready for you. Don't be afraid to say yes. You find a lot of people out there will tell you never give up the center chair. And I get that. But look at the day I get to have today. Rare I find an admiral that makes a case for it. But this, the strongest one I've seen yet. Sovereign. Hell of a ship. First of her class, the USS Sovereign. And <sighs> you know, I thought those Sovereign class vessels were a little too much for, I don't know. You've only ever had one cap ship underneath your belt, but I guess you're going to get one of the mothers of them all. Until such transfers go through, the sovereign class is ostentatious and excessive and entirely not needed. Only one capital ship, if note, the OSS Ross and its Ross class. This well, may change upon transfers. I make no promises. Well, I'm really glad I didn't let you walk out of the office. Shall we? And she pours herself a glass of apple juice as the three of you and your command reds sit there and toast to the future that is awaiting you. I toast and then I lean in real close, just like forehead, forehead touch. We did it, Blip. <sighs> I never thought possible doesn't feel right because of course we did.
I just thought we'd have to fight a little harder. Against idiots. It comes easy when you're good. Great. Apologies. <laughs> Accepted. Clink. The Sovereign. I never took you for such subtlety. <laughs> subtlety. <laughs> Abear oh. kind of like chokes a little bit on her. <laughs> Hearing you call the Sovereign subtle. You see a big smile on her face. <laughs> and cut scene. <laughs> yeah. Olin, you were walking into the embassy, the Klingon embassy. I actually wanted to uh, see if mm -hmm. I could do something um, before disembarking. Olin yeah. would have approached Prawl at his security station. Okay. You see Prawl is literally just going through the motions of like getting security teams in place uh, for when the ship goes into dock procedure, like everyone on standby. He looks up at you from the console and just says, Ambassador. Commander Paul, I request a security detail. I'll head it myself. Do you have concerns uh, that I should be aware of? Not exactly. I just think that if I'm going to meet up with all of the ambassadors for the first time in a while, and apparently uh, threats of being made on people's lives, that it should be, um, well, yes. I would like for you to join me. Yes, I was going to say, that sounds like a concern. I'll go ahead and arrange that. Are you headed to the station now? Yes. He reaches over to the console and picks out, you see him immediately fasten to his left side a small holster and he slides a phaser into it. All right. And so then, yeah. You have the, the con. You see one of the other security officers steps forward and says, lead the way, Ambassador. Yep. Yeah. The Ambassador heads over to. So y'all are walking into running. the. Yeah, okay. So cut to the two of you stepping into the Klingon ambassadorial office. Mm-hmm. We'll start okay. there. The easy one you, first. When you step inside, you can see, first of all, the secretary that is there is a very large, by large, I mean tall, thin Klingon who is dressed in finery. And when he sees you approach, he immediately stands and says, welcome to the Klingon, the Klingon embassy. You are Ambassador Olin Marginil, are you not? I... I am. I did not realize my <sighs> reputation preceded me. You are the one person Ambassador Jahl has told me to admit upon sight. He had me memorize your face. One moment, <laughs> and... Well, that is very hear, flattering. As he steps into the office, you hear a roar from between the... As he the doors close, and you hear, Olin! From the other side of the door, Olin! And the door is open, he goes, Olin! And he growls as he charges up to you so much so that Prawl reaches for the phaser and he grabs you by yeah, your shoulder. Yeah, Olin just goes, like lifts the, <laughs> the arms up, does it like just. <laughs> you wrap your arms around this big Klingon and he goes, ah, ha, 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 and starts slapping you hard on the back and then pulls <laughs> you back and says, So, you're still alive. Uh, Good miraculously, you. yes, as a you. Oh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I'm an old man now, wasting away in this ambassador office and having to deal with this useless patak of a secretary. He Go memorized, away. He memorized my face quite well. 
Yes, well, that's not impressive. Your face is quite an easy face to memorize. It stands out. <laughs> you don't, uh, you don't seem to be at ease, though. He looks over at Prawl, who's just now releasing his hand from the phaser. Does uh, this have something to do with your friend nearly dying? Yes and no. Um, and they kind of lean forward so that Prawl doesn't hear. Uh -huh. He has the tendency to hide on board whenever we're at the station, and I thought it would be good to get him out. Ah, oh. Hmm. I could show this stiff trill a good time. Klingons know how to party. <laughs> I wonder if he would go for that. He wouldn't at first, but get enough blood wine in him and he will forget. Why don't we get started right now? Are you sure? I started a few hours ago. Why don't you come in and let's sit down and talk? Catch me up on all the useless and boring Federation things you've been doing. <laughs> and, My pleasure. Um, he leads you into the office. We're going to pause there because it's 8 o'clock, so it's going to take our 10-minute break. And when we come back, we're going to find out what LeCat and McCrell are up to um, and what's going on in the station. So don't go anywhere. We'll see you in 10 minutes. Welcome back, everybody. Let's go ahead and jump back into our episode of Clear Skies tonight. Where we left off is uh, Ambassador Olin Marginil is catching up with an old friend, Jal, um, and can go ahead and tell you, Olin, what the outcome of that meeting is. Uh, Jal doesn't have a lot to share. Uh, as the Klingon ambassador and being something of a party animal, it's not surprising to learn that he doesn't have a tremendous amount of insights into things that have gone on. He, of course, does share with you one of the incidents that took place when the Ross was not around, namely the death of the former uh, general here on the station, Cargan. But this is a story you've already heard. And as he goes into it, uh, explains to you, yes, and then uh, the Borku, led by our captain, went flew. I have no idea where they are now. I don't really follow, but uh, and kind of goes on and on and on and on and on and on. Doesn't have anything interesting to anything that's particularly relevant. He bends your ear for about 45 minutes on just nothing. Um, it gets to a point where Prawl looks at you like, you brought me to this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Olin just knocks, you know, hides behind their, their cup. Just, okay. you know, just, you know. Uh, stepping onto the main promenade while this is happening uh, is Jane and Vren. You have all stepped off the USS Ross and back onto the main promenade. It's been the first time you've been at Narendra Station since departing this months ago. And it's quite surreal. It's been almost, let's see, it's three months. So three, yeah, it's been a little over half a year since you've been here. So stepping back onto the promenade has a lot of mixed feelings coming up. Um, but Vren is looking around just kind of saying, yeah, yeah, this is, um, this is Narendra station. Yeah, this is, uh, this is it. Um, and I think that Jane has like this, like, she, she's like contemplative. I think that like she and Ren have finally hit this point where it's just like they can be like silent together for hours or they mm -hmm. can like talk together for hours mm -hmm. and both are equally comfortable. 
And it's just like, man, I hope everyone has an opportunity to feel that with someone else at some point in their life, because I feel like they like they've they've achieved it. They found that person in each other. And it's uh, yeah. And so Jane is quiet. She's contemplative right now. And uh, she's looking at this uh, at this stupid goose tattoo that she that she got. Um, but it's, uh, if she was joking about it earlier, I think that she's actually, she's, she's feeling something while she's looking at it. Okay. Um, are, is, 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 is Ren kind of meandering towards a bar? Like he said he would. Mm -hmm. Where a certain Saurian is pouring drinks for people who are coming and going. Okay. Um, can I ask you a hypothetical question, Bren? Yeah. Um, it's gonna sound weird, so I need you to like not freak out. Okay. How? This is this is this is hypothetical. Um, how difficult would it be to uh, hijack the Ross? Just. Just asking. If you weren't the captain? If if I wasn't the captain, I mean it would be it would be <laughs> Yeah, just just you know, you and me, right? Like obviously like Prawl would like like try and stop us, but like I feel like you and I could like take him, right? And I just feel like how else are we gonna like keep people from not moving on and just like keep everyone together forever and not? Yeah. Well, I mean, most things were done by voice command, but ever since the addition to quote unquote artificial life forms on board starships, namely beings like Exio and the late Commander Data, that's no longer the case, especially because Commander Data actually ended up commandeering the entire Enterprise on his own in a matter of 12 minutes. Uh, that's it? Well, what I'm saying is now you're if, saying if we there was a window to do it, we probably missed it a few years ago. Data kind of ruined it for everybody. I mean, it sounds like he kind of just like set the bar. May have set the bar, but you'd have a better chance. Uh, the thing is, is our ship has an Exio. Yeah. So uh, even if you were able to completely lock out the controls in the bridge and seal it off, Exio could appear in the middle of the bridge and just deactivate life support in the middle of the bridge. Um, and uh, then we would fall unconscious and wake up inside of a brig. Yeah. This is assuming that everyone wasn't on board with the hijacking. This is assuming that for some reason everyone actually wanted to leave and assuming that they didn't sure. want to stay together forever. And yeah. Well, ever since Captain Kirk stole the Enterprise A, uh, there has been a lot more security protocols introduced with Starship's leaving space dock. So we would have to escape the inevitable tractor beams from a star base that is seven times our size. Um, yeah, but you're I, I get what you're saying, LaCat, I do. I, I get what you're saying. And it's, yeah. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I gotta be honest with you. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm staying or not when the what duty shift comes around. Well, I, I still haven't decided if I'm, I don't know if I'm staying on the Ross. I don't know if it's my, 
I don't know if I'm supposed to stay on the Ross. I don't know what's next for me. I don't know if there's another opportunity out there or if I'm supposed to stay here. I'm, I've been thinking about this a lot and I'm not sure. Is this the first time he is mentioning this? Yeah. You knew that a lot mean, of it, like, everybody, everybody's aware that there's going to be a crew cycle yeah, coming up. But, it's inevitable. It happens on every starship. But, uh, and there are some senior staff members that have the option if they want to seek, you know, opportunities elsewhere. Typically it happens when other starships or smaller starships have a higher position or a place for them to really make their position known. It's a good, it's a good opportunity for a young officer to take a more responsibility on a smaller starship and work up kind of what captain cell did. And, um, friend who just got promoted to Lieutenant commander, you can see as he's saying this all to you, it's really weighing on him. You can tell that he is genuinely kind of not sure. Yeah. And I think that this is for Jane, just, a like she is, like she's not blindsided, but she's kind of blindsided by this. She's like, "Oh no, we we agreed that like we agreed without ever actually agreeing or having a conversation about it right now until at this very moment that it was like it it like it always be us." Um, but she's trying to hold it back because that's called character growth, and <laughs> that she actually cares about friends' okay. happiness. So she just kind of looks at him while he unloads all of this. It says, what it? I had a feeling you're going to react like this. I mean, I'm impressed that you knew I was going to react like this because the old me would have kidnapped you. <laughs> um, what you was getting ready to leave Starfleet before you accepted a position on the Ross. Are you still thinking about doing that? Sounds like maybe not. I found reasons to stay, but it feels like those reasons are leaving. Well, so I don't know where I'm at anymore. What about, well, I mean, what would you do? Well, well, what do you want to do? Like when you were like little baby Bren <laughs> and you imagined yourself in Starfleet, like what did you imagine yourself doing? Well, I wanted to, I wanted to be a science officer originally. What? Yeah. Want to be a science officer. Uh, I, I, ooh, ooh. I never told Olin this, but my parents are all from the diplomatic staff. They all worked with the Andorian embassy. Uh, I grew up as a kid who just was constantly around a bunch of people from Starfleet. And uh, I thought science was great. Plus, you know, I have an appreciation for blue. So science is pretty uh, cool. Yeah. But, um, but then my mom let me dock a shuttlecraft when I was about 14. 
I don't know that I want the center chair. I don't know if that's for me. But I definitely want to see where this goes. And I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means staying on the Ross or if it means looking elsewhere. This is just something I've been thinking about. But I think you should go I mean, wherever you want to go and no one should be allowed to stop you. Yeah, I know. It's weird. We haven't been on the Ross that long in the time span of like most crews, but then the Ross is kind of unusual. Trauma bonds people extremely fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure you want to? Never mind. What about you and Asmi? What are y'all going to do? Stick around, I guess. I, I mean, it's weird. I haven't given it much thought until now. Things. Have you talked to her about this? No, because I think that if I do, then I'd have to come up with an actual plan for it. And, and then it becomes real, but I think it's already real. So I should probably get ahead of it, huh? Sometimes I think folks get lucky, but I'm not saying this right on your parade, LaCat, but relationships in Starfleet take extra amounts of effort, especially when someone gets transferred somewhere. So you should talk to Asmi and make sure that you know, you guys are in sync, you know? It's still pretty fresh, and this is the first crew rotation. Yeah. Or we could hijack the Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or we could hijack the Ross. And just not address any of our issues and just fly away into the sunset and just keep everyone here with us forever. Um, no, you're right. I should talk to her. I should. I am. When I was on Cardassia, Olin just kind of fell into my path. And then when I was about to leave Starfleet, as my soul kind of just like descended from the heavens and as, and, uh, um, I don't know, I think I was hoping for something similar to happen again. And it's just, I think it's different this time. What would you want to do? Ren, I have already suggested my game plan to you twice this evening and you have shut it down both times. I know, I know, I'm a terrible friend. For plan B here. Um, I don't know, I think about a lot of things. I don't want to give up my science I but I I felt something when I sat in the center chair yeah 
Yeah. Maybe it's worth pursuing. And I think before that though, I'd wanna go back to Cardassia just for a little bit. Yeah, it seems like that place is on the brink of a whole new frontier for themselves. I can imagine wanting to be a part of that. I mean, you've thrown open the door so much opportunity for people who have never considered the possibility of going to Starfleet of all things. There's, um, it's going to sound weird because it doesn't sound like Cardassians would indulge themselves in this, but there is a amusement park in the city of Lakat. And before you fly off to wherever you're going to fly off, we should go sometime. Yeah, I would love to see what a Cardassian amusement park is like. <laughs> it's, uh, you know what? When I was there, it was not great. I will be honest, but. Okay. Well, uh, sure. I mean, of course, you're going to have to come to the ice games on Andoria. Oh my gosh, is this like hockey? Uh, yes, we actually do have an Andorian hockey team. Yes. Yes. Yep. That game was brutal. That game was amazing. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. Earth tries so hard. They introduce the sport to the rest of us, and they just, they're never getting it back. They try so hard. Klingons are really the only competition these days. Although the Vulcans are surprisingly good for a bunch of people who grew up in the desert. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I think Cardassians need to give sports another try. We kind of got so sucked up in the military thing, but I feel yeah. like coordinated attacks, but in a fun way, would actually be probably really therapeutic for us. Something to think about. Something to think about. I'm never forgiving you for leaving me. I haven't decided yet. I'm not, I haven't decided yet. I'm just trying to be smart. I, I just want to be smart for myself for once. I, I think you're selling yourself a little short there. Anyway, this Maloren is really good. Yeah, it's a weird drink. I don't know where the name comes from, but it gets you fucked up. It gets you fucked up. Speaking of, <laughs> round two. <laughs> round two. <laughs> and the two of you indulge mm -hmm. <laughs> in another strange, sweet, tasty drink that is absolutely destroying you and probably rearranging certain synapses in your brain. Perfect. Um, what is... I'm curious, what is uh, what is McCrell doing at this point? Um, I'm assuming, like earlier, if uh, when Gina said so, that they notified her about. Oh yeah, you got hella briefed. Yeah, uh, as soon as we oh, docked, I did. I did site to site transport to the med med bay. Okay, cool. Uh, in that case, I'm just gonna go ahead and roll for Chief Singh. Don't mess this up. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, Nacrell beat into a wall. No, way in the game. Um, Transporter clone. There's two Macrells. Two Macrells. Yes. In unison stereo. Yeah. Um, one how says did we yes. never have that goof? Right. Uh, one says yes. One says no. Ooh. Um. You got so You guys. You guys gained two momentum. You got a success from the Ross too. So. You got this. Okay. So oh. three momentum. I completely okay. forgot to roll for Ross. So three. All right. So when you beam into the medical facility, one of the things that you notice immediately, McCrell, is this place has been rearranged and updated, and there are more Starfleet staff. Uh, there is only one Klingon in here, and it is the CMO. And the last is time it... you saw her, the two of you had a pretty interesting exchange. Um, yes. You see, she is sitting at her table uh, punching on a data pad, and when she sees you beam in, she goes, Oh, great. You again. Hello. Hello, doctor. She stands up and says, it's good that you're here. I understand that he was your patient. Is that right? Yes. How bad is it? Well, she leads you over into one of the enclosed facilities where he is being kept away from everybody, the, the passing traffic. This is not an exposed medical bed. This one is its mm -hmm. own private room. And when you walk in, you see Sorex hooked up to breathing ventilators and is wrapped up real mm -hmm. good. You can see the vitals, the, the three-dimensional sort of like the holographic display of his vitals and the outline of his body, heart, you know, heart rates, everything is on full display. You can get a full look at his vitals just walking into the room. Um, she says, well... It should have killed him. He's a quick Romulan. He managed to dodge most of the blast, but it did remove a good portion of his lower torso. And I have had to regenerate a great deal of flesh there, which not been fun. However, your new Starch Starfleet technology has allowed us to use a new form of assistance during surgery. Computer, activate EMH. Please state the nature of the medical emergency. This patach helped me save this Romulan fool's life. Yes, I did. And why am I here now? Oh, they were just making a proper introduction. Yeah, go it's away. A... Oh. So. <laughs> oh, man. Bring him back. <laughs> so. I just want to play with the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Now then, he's your patient. I'll step back, and if you need anything, you have but to whatever. And she leaves you alone with Sorex, who you see has a different haircut. Mm. He's gone with a bit of a side shave, a little bit of a hair off to the side. Mm. Interesting Looks like he's choice. What's that? I said, interesting choice. Mm -hmm. Looks like he's looks like he's put on some muscle too. Like he's probably been getting some more exercise, um, and he looks messed up. You can see the disruptor burns across that have that have healed, but you can still see um, the skin and everything that's regenerated. You also see uh, on his charts that they used a new procedure where they used holographic organs to keep him mm. stable while they reconstructed the inner parts of his torso. I'm going to look at all the different organs that have been um holographic you know regenerating all that and mm -hmm. just put my arm my hand uh on his shoulder 
be like, my dear strong friend, a new brain wasn't enough. You had to go for a spleen. And just kind of like pat his shoulder and 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 I'm gonna sit down next to him and just wait till he wakes up. You sit down next to him, you're looking at his charts and you see his thumb twitch a little bit. You hear uh, uh, and you can hear him making sounds. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna go shh, rest, rest. I will stay until you wake. He reaches up at the weak hand, starts trying to pull at the mouthpiece that's giving him oxygen. Mm. He doesn't have the strength. He just kind of fumbles at it. I'm I'm assuming that as a doctor I know not to remove that since there, his lungs are probably like I don't know part holographic uh, right now. <laughs> you can make you know you're his doctor so you can actually make a roll and make yeah. the determination yourself. Yeah, let's make a roll. See if if I pull that out, will, will he be okay to speak for a little bit? Because he obviously okay. wants to tell me something. Uh, okay. I'm going to say this is going to be insight medicine. Mm -hmm. Or reason medicine. Sorry, reason medicine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, difficulty and difficulty. Four. Okay. I'll just take you are going to get an assist from the Starfleet facility here. So, okay. One, two, crit. I'm assuming I'm using a focus. Uh, yes, yes, you would like xenobiology. That's four successes. Okay. So, gain three momentum. Mm -hmm. Um, yes, you can remove this mouthpiece. You could easily okay. put it back in place if it's a problem. Okay. So I'm going to just, uh, you know, grab it quickly and, you know, lean close to him and be like, don't waste your strength. Just. He takes a couple of breaths and says, Gino. Wait, can you repeat that? Because I, this you is Bonnie asking. say, Pacino. Pacino. Do I know that name? I need to look in my notes. That is the Romulan ambassador. That's right. I was like, my notebook. Okay. Uh, he did this to you. He looks like he's struggling, and I am actually going to spend a point of threat. And I'm going to have him roll his fitness. I'm going to say fitness control. Uh, let's say, I'm going to say fitness security. Okay. Um, you hear him. You say, Pagino did this, and he, <clears throat> you hear him, <clears throat> you can see it's, it's hurt, it's hurting him so much to speak right now. Mm -hmm. And you hear him say, <sighs> 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 
torpedoes. Let me give you something for the pain. He grabs you and tries tries very weakly to pull you closer and says, He has torpedoes. No time. What's his target? And he goes unconscious. Uh, I'm gonna put the mouthpiece back in. Uh, uh, the breathing upper, the breathing apparatus back in. Um, give him a little something for the pain, not enough to like knock him out or anything, just to mm-hmm. help. Uh, and immediately call the captain. Okay. Go for Saul. Captain, uh, I would suggest you come straight to the medical bay immediately. On my way. See you in a bit. Flip. Take off down the med bay. You can hear it in their voice. Uh, McCrell, she sounds troubled. When you arrive at the med bay, Captain, you step inside. Uh, the Klingon who's sitting at the, <laughs> the nurse's station, the only Klingon that's left in here, the CMO, she just glances up at you and goes, eh, just thumbs towards the back room. Doesn't pay you much mind after that. It goes back to reading some of the data pads. Much and obliged. just... You, you're there just in time to watch a young Starfleet officer approach this Klingon woman and just say, uh, ma'am, I, I have yesterday's. Do I look like I care? And she, he says, no, ma'am, you don't. And he immediately, <laughs> and you just see her. <sighs> I make a mental note. I make a mental note to uh, like gather some of the Starfleet officers that are working in the med bay here and mm-hmm. kind of brief them on you need to be more aggressive. You need to, I'm going to like make, give them like a bullet point of how to communicate how to with Klingon. A, yes. <laughs> how to speak to a Klingon doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You move into the back room. McCrell, you see Captain Ezri Sol step into the room. Uh, so you see this largely, it's brightly lit. This is almost, a, I, 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 I dare say this is a very, uh, I would say this looks more like a sort of like the Abrams verse style medical room. It's like white walls, glossy white floor, but you can see Lens all flare. the hollow displays. Yeah. Um, you can <laughs> see the hollow displays up on the ceiling as well that are projecting down just over uh, the Romulan's body. And there you see a very messed up Sorex who is laying in bed. Uh, vitals look stable. You can tell that much when you walk in. You can also see where the disruptor hit him. At point-blank range, that should have absolutely killed him. This is a very lucky Romulan. He should be dead. That drilled right through his torso, and it should have disintegrated him. Yeah, no, you you use torsos for things. Yeah. I'm told they're very important. Captain, thank you for coming at short notice. I did not want to risk communicating via comm badge or leaving his side. He was conscious but for a moment, but he did tell me that this was the cause of the Romulan ambassador and that he has torpedoes. He wasn't able to tell me the target or why, where, but it seems urgent and we don't have much time. No. No, we do not. 
I have some coordinates I need to get to the ship. Thank you. Stay with him until we get everyone on the ship and if Pugino tries to send anyone to finish the job, well, I imagine she's going to want to have first crack. Let's stay here to clean up just in case. If for some reason we have to leave before he is conscious, permission to transfer to my medical bay for his own safety. He's your patient, isn't he? Yes. All right. See you in a bit. Thank you, Captain. And I sit right back by the side. Okay. Salta Axiao, and we get the cascade going. <laughs> <laughs> the call Let's goes down. Let's yeah, start a There train. is a certain oh. ambassador that's making rounds right now. Yeah, it's funny because right now, Jane and Vren and the ambassador are currently in their cups. And the trip comes through. I, and Vren goes, oh, oh, no. I did mean to stop by Ambassador Pagino's as well. Like, I was going to speak Let's, to both Okay, then we're going to cut to you doing that here in a second. Yeah. Um, Vryn, Vryn just looks up at you, Jane, and goes, Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, i got to fly a ship oh, now. No, we gotta, I got to oh, science. No, I gotta fly a ship. Oh, I'm going gonna, gonna to lose the pip. I'm going to lose the pip. They just gave I'm me this I'm not going to lose the pip. I will fight them. Okay, you, oh. you fight them. I'll fight keep them. my pip. Okay, I feel like you know there's a hypo spray. For I this. feel like there's got to be a hypo spray for this. I'm like, come yes. to sick bay. There's, there's oh, a hypo spray. Really, you specifically really... said don't go to sick bay today. That, that was earlier before I knew they were drunk <laughs> and going to be flying uh, the ship. It's fine. This is why we have a crew of thousands. There are other pilots. It's why it's different. Then a couple hundred on a small intrepid. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, I need them healthy as young as large ponies. Um, there's a tap on the communicator. His friend just goes, This is this is Lieutenant Commander Friend to Chief Singh. Lieutenant and, Commander Friend. You heard Chief Singh go, Yes, Lieutenant Commander. Uh, what can I do for you? And uh friend says, Chief, yes, hello. Hello, are you there? And Chief Singh says, yes, Commander, I can hear you. And he says, yes, good. Um, all right. I need you to beam me back aboard the USS Ross with no alcohol in my blood. And you hear a silence. On, you hear Chief Singh say, I'm sorry, could you repeat that, Commander? He says, yeah, 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 yeah. Also, don't forget me. Um, Chief yeah. Singh... Please just call a medical personnel to the sick to the to the transporter room to inoculate uh, Lieutenant Commander the Cat and Lieutenant well, Commander Fran. That's well, if all you that's were there required. to tell them this, <laughs> if you were there to relay this were, information, <laughs> Chief Singh just says, um, uh, "Let me get back to you, Commander." And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, get back to me, get back to me." Oh, the uh, cat, the cat's here too. And I, I think LaCat wants to come with us because she's she's also she works on the Ross. I do, I do. I'm good at science. And you hear Singh say, "Okay, great. Um, yes, I'll get right back to you." And he goes, oh, "Okay." And he taps the con, and he goes, "We're gonna be fine. 
we're gonna be great. Good job, good lieutenant commander. Yeah, that God, was my first gonna... time giving an order. Do did some I give an order? great shit. You gave an order. You did. I gave an order. You gave an order. You want more? And he grabs yeah. a cup. No, <laughs> wait, um, wait. <laughs> You, then you hear once again the chirp coming through that all staff are ordered to report back to the USS Ross immediately. And he goes, oh, we, we should go. And then he gets up from the table. After you, good sir. Okay. And he <laughs> he begins to, uh, begins to uh, stumble his way back towards the transporter pad as the, the, uh, the person who James the street is named after once did loops her arm around him and they stumble huh. together we we need to we need to, we should come up with a song for moments like this and the two of you <laughs> trying to think of old sea shanties uh stumble your way past a few personnel who uh watch it as you bump into one of the starfleet security officers and you two drunkenly dash towards the transporter room one um meanwhile at the ambassador's office the door to the Romulan ambassador uh, office opens and you see the secretary sitting there and says, welcome to the Romulan embassy. How may I help you? Yes, I am Ambassador Olin Majanil of the USS Ross. I was hoping that Ambassador Pagina might have a moment to speak with me. Well, I'm sorry, but the ambassador is in a meeting right now with Romulan High Command. May I take a message? Well, I... Do I would appreciate you at least letting him know that I'm here? Of course. Will there be anything else? I will wait until you have done so. It will not change the outcome of the meeting, I'm afraid. Of course not. It's the principle of the matter. Very well. She reaches over and types onto the console. Ding. And smiles at you and then goes back to her data pad. Like Olin just kind of gives Prawl a sidelong glance. Prawl is looking at her just kind of with annoyance, but doesn't say anything. And then you get the chirp. All staff ordered to report back to the USS Ross immediately. Damn. Can I feel anything coming through the doors of that office? No. Interesting. Hmm. No, as in no, as you in don't there's feel a presence on the other side of that room. You feel the presence of the secretary, and that's about it. Thank you for your time. Of course. Have a good day. You as well. As the two of you step out of the office, uh, with a bit of pep in your step, having been ordered back to the ship, Prawl turns and looks at you and says, Ambassador, what's going on in that head of yours? He wasn't there. Who wasn't there? Pagina was not in his office. Computer, location of Ambassador Pagino. The Romulan ambassador is not aboard the station. He looks at you and says, what does that mean? I'm going to nail that son of a bitch to a wall. And they say lightning can't strike twice. Uh, 
what is happening right now? <laughs> and Prawl follows after you. Like, I'm at a loss, Ambassador. I don't know what this means. If he's not here, I've always had a sneaking suspicion about him. As the two of you are headed towards transporter room one, he just continues to press you on that and says, you think he's going, well, as bad as this sounds, full Romulan on us or something? Oh, I don't think he was at anything. I don't think he was ever anything but. Okay. This is your battlefield, not mine. I'll just go where you point me. For now, we're returning to the ship. I think I need to have a conversation with the captain. As the doors of the transporter room open, you see Vren and Lacat turn to face you as they're on the transporter, and they go, Ambassador! And they beam off the pad just as you walk into the room. <laughs> and Vren looks so ecstatic to see you, and then he's just gone as he dematerializes oh. in front of you. Um, <clears throat> oh, no. You hear the call to return to the ship immediately. So... Uh, McCrell, if you're going to transport... Yeah, is it safe to transport tank, him as well? He is stable, so you can transport him, but that's going to fall heavily on Chief Singh to do a, an emergency medical transport to a medical okay. bed in the Ross. So we're going to roll, and I'm going With, to advise... Also, spend, I'm going to I'm gonna let Admiral Bear know that I'm doing this, uh, that I'm making him under Notify her that care. you're taking him? Okay. Yeah, just... Um, and not just stealing someone who was yeah, not just like assassination attempt. Right. Yeah. I want to make it. sure... Yeah, because um, for his safety as well, just in case that there's another sure. attempt of his life. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, she agrees. She thinks that's probably the safest place for him. In which case, uh, I'm going to ask, can I spend a momentum for Chief Singh? Yes. yes okay, cool. And he is going to try to do a site-to-site -site emergency medical transport. So I'm rolling three dice here. I don't. I miss rolling for Singh. And he rolls. Oh, I rolled a 20. No! Three and a two. It's okay. The, the the Ross got a crit. Do you have okay. a value? So Eric got two crits. So re-roll those dice. <laughs> it's just a complication on top it's, of it. It's right. I can't. I can't uh, was that? It was this computer's engineer. He does look cautious. Yes, I can re-roll this. Yeah, <gasps> oh, he does look cautious. Hey, just, was this? I spent momentum to to make that roll. So let's see what. By we the get. way, was this a computer's engineering roll or? Computer's engineering. Cool. Then it was a crit. We've got two successes uh, from the Ross. I rerolled the 20 and it's an eight. Much better. There's seven better. successes total. He rolled a two, a three, and an eight. So there's two crits from Sing. So that's four successes, five successes total. Um, you guys are maxed out on momentum. Seven, seven, seven. seven total. Okay. Yeah. So with pure skill, because Chief Sang is good at this, he beams uh, your patient directly into an emergency medical sick bed. And he's and, healed completely because it was such a crit roll. Being like, the way. Um, wow. Yeah, so, uh, so Sorex is now secured on board and nurse is immediately tending to him as soon as he arrives. Uh, I, I'm going to... Uh, right before he transports, you know, to think, and I was like, we're going on a field trip. Hmm. Just so he's, you know, he's aware that he's being moved somewhat in his head. So... We're going on... Make a long story short here. It takes all about 20 minutes to get the, the raw situated. It gets hypo sprays and her chief helms officer and chief science officer, which results in nausea and headaches, which you're just going to have to deal with. And uh, in fact, I'm going to spend a point of threat 
No, I'm going to spend two points of threat, and I'm going to give both you and Vran a trait. Hangover. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Why is he oh. piloting a ship? <laughs> so, I get the sensors thing. I mean, I don't love the sensors thing, but I get the sensors thing. But why is he piloting? <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, <clears throat> um, what that trait is going to do is, if you are to sp if you spend momentum and you have the cautious trait, you will not be able to use it. <laughs> you cannot use cautious now. You can still buy extra successes and stuff like that. You can do everything else, but right now you can't really be cautious because you're kind of suffering a hangover. Um, so that's funsies. Uh, <clears throat> remember, you always have the option of earning momentum by giving me threat. Just throwing that out there. Um, that being said, one by one, all of you beam back aboard. And a few moments later, you all find yourself stepping onto the bridge of the USS Ross, except for McCrell. Um, and... Uh, you can see urgency on the captain's face. Exio, you haven't been briefed yet. You don't know why everyone's been recalled. Olin also looks very urgent. I know something's bad. Uh, before you say anything, you hear Prawl immediately say, Captain, I'm being hailed by Starbase. On screen. Admiral April Bear appears on screen and says, Captain, I hate to do this to you, but I need to send you to intercept a distress call. Of what nature and at what location? About six light years from here, there's a Kazenti ship that just sent out an SOS. Apparently there are refugees on board. Their ship's been heavily damaged. The Ross is the fastest ship I've got. Vren, plot that relative to the coordinates to these coordinates and I pass off the ones that Abear gave us for the particle fountain that was the most probable follow-up location. Okay. Uh, how, how, what's our course look like? It's not, it's, they're not in opposite directions, but it's not going to bring you any closer to the particle fountain. Admiral, my doctor has gotten intelligence behind the possible third person. It's not near. I understand. But unfortunately, there's been no activity by the particle fountain to cause alarm, and these people need our help immediately. I have reason to believe that the threat is more imminent than you might realize. Explain. When was the last time you laid eyes on Ambassador Pagino? Yes, we've had security reports. He's not on the station, is he? He's not. Captain, I'm ordering you to this SOS. You are authorized to use maximum warp. Get those people off their ship and get to the particle fountain as soon as you can. We stay at max warp between all locations. We should be able to burn harder and longer than any other ship in space. For in turns Why else do we have two? Two warp cores? Let's go. I'll head to engineering right away. You'll have your power, Captain. <clears throat> Thank you. For in Chief. 
begins to initiate initiating doc, uh, detaching procedures. Captain, estimated at maximum warp, it'll take us just under one day to reach the SOS survivors and another day to the particle fountain. And that's the time that we have, and we are going to make a very hasty rescue. Hi, Captain. All right. Detaching from space station. Shakes his head a little bit. Says, and the Ross begins to pull out at one quarter impulse. Um, a few moments later, he begins laying in course, Captain, setting for maximum warp. All right, Xander. The Ross is going to burn nine power, leaping straight to Whoa. maximum warp. Subtract <laughs> so that from the Ross as she goes. She goes to ludicrous speed. <laughs> <laughs> um, you enter in, lay in the course, and for, you see uh, as you are uh, managing the plasma conduits. Um, I'm going to need you with uh -huh. the Ross's help here. I'm going to need to make you a control engineering check. Your warp core is going to come into effect here. The okay. Ross is going to roll engines and con. No, I'm sorry, engines and engineering. Um, and the difficulty of this is three. Gotcha. I would like to spend one for cautious engineering for sure. Okay. Uh, and then I do have a focus in dual warp cores. Woo! You're going to come in handy. Okay. Yay! Uh, all right, and you said control engineering. Control engineering. Tell me what you get. Difficulty is three. That's a crit and a regular success. Mm -mm -mm. So that's three total. It wasn't a, a failure on the other one. Uh, so yeah, three and one from the Ross. So four. Four total. So Gain the momentum You back. juice those plasma conduits located all over the ship. Now, the Ross has been updated considerably since you first started flying her. But with two warp cores active at the same time, those plasma conduits have always been a danger. Putting too much power into the Ross at any given moment could cause serious complications to our systems. And that's why it's a good thing they got somebody who's pretty skilled at learning how to navigate two warp cores pumping energy into those plasma conduits at the same time. It's not just me. We've trained for this, people. And you can see <laughs> that uh, the whole engineering team takes up into the dance moves that they've used before. And we haven't had a chance to use this very often. Uh, and so they start falling into the graceful forms, not bumping into each other, moving with fluid grace between the two cores. Dari is just going, you can dance if you want to. <laughs> Everyone's got their own rhythm. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. The Ross burns nine power and you guys explode to warp speed. An agonizing one day. Two days to your destination. Pagino has already got a big head start on you. How he got off the station is hard to say. You don't know. But... I will Actually, ask the oh. oh, sorry. One of uh, Tech's orders was going to look at the computer systems from the station. Uh -huh. I would like to spend two momentum to have to sent... something true. Well, I would set up a communications like we had before with uh, Lena, Lena Bloom, and I'm going to use her hacking expertise to try to find out if there was any tampering with the computer. Okay, there's going to be a delay on right. That's what I have the. That's two, what the communication's yeah. for. Okay. So, yes, you can immediately. So, you send a message. 
And you're specific. What are you specifically requesting from her? So I have the data package of like the past couple of days or so of the um, the not just logs, but the surveillance systems and things like that. Anything that looks like it may have been tampered with or anything that looks suspicious to her hacking eyes, uh, let us know. So the message you get back, it you get a return message uh, in about three hours. Mm. And as it comes in, you see it's very much <laughs> it's very much like somebody trying to arrange their camera phone sure <laughs> see a little bit of chaos before you see amy's character come into view and lena looks at you and goes okay and sets it down um and she goes um so i had a look at the footage that you sent me and it does look like somebody probably tampered with it and oh. you see a display come up and says it looks like something is going on here in this section of the starbase um i'm gonna chief zoom in for you chief tech till cat the cat can uh, I think you and Prawl might need to come and see this. Prawl and I? Yeah. Tech we'll looks right at you. Okay, so Prawl looks at you from across the bridge and uh looks at you, Captain, and says, Captain, permission to leave the bridge. And you ox crew fill in for the two of you is the both of you. Are you headed down there as well, the cat? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, so you, the two of you uh, enter into main engineering where you see uh, tech has what looks like a replay communication going up, contacting Lena Blue. Okay. This young woman with kind of anxiety in her voice, but enthusiasm into the job that she's performing. You can see this, this data display coming up. You can see some of the images that she's feeding back. But she says, yeah, it looks like the data's been tampered with here. Um, this is a composite. You can tell from the lines right here, but it's really well done. Yeah. Really well done. I almost didn't catch it. I wouldn't have caught it if you hadn't pointed it out. When, uh, so she's looking at this composite, right? Like, um, yeah, so what you see yeah. is Sorex okay. walking down the corridor. Mm. Um, this corridor looks like it's closer to the main engineering areas of the of Narendra Station. You watch Sorex glancing around, and then he looks right at security feed and continues walking. And you continue to follow the path until he comes to what looks like a maintenance hatch of some kind. And he pulls it off the wall. And you hear Lena saying... Uh, so I took the liberty of um, getting the blueprints in Narendra Station, and uh, it looks like the access point that he was using was some kind of communication buffer. Like maybe he was trying to access a communication array of some kind. It's one of the 300 auxiliary ports that's located on Narendra Station. Um, this one's not particularly important, so I'm not sure what he was after. Do we have any records of what he actually did? Um, I'll take a look at the computer systems. We've got the whole dump. Mm -hmm. okay uh so you start looking through logs yeah mm -hmm. so here's where the composite comes into play and pay close attention because this is kind of weird you see sorex is just working on this thing and then immediately closes it up and um starts like coughing he pushes himself up against the wall and starts coughing and you see a klingon walk past him and then there's a blip like a cut 
two, and Sorex is on the ground, and there's no Klingon on the screen. Oh, oh, enhance. You zoom in. Sorex <laughs> is laying on the ground. You can see the bulkhead near the communications hub that he was using has this huge black seared mark. It looks like a disruptor blast went off right next to this wall. And Sorex is on the ground. Um, and you see Sorex reaching up to that comms panel again and pulls it off and it clatters to the ground next to him. And he reaches up with a weak hand and he taps it a few more times. And he goes, I don't know what he was doing, but he should have died. And he used what he probably thought was his last breath to do whatever he's doing there. Any luck on those computer logs? And then she did turns, it, yeah. Did the communication go out? Um, you're not sure. You'd have to ask. Okay. You could ask Lena if you wanted to, but it's going to be, a, it's a six hour round trip communication. Three hours to her, three hours back. I think it's still worth asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, These are the things we'll post to her yeah. to keep working on. Mm -hmm. So late into the evening. So in that case, what is everybody else doing while the two of you are working? I have I have one more one yeah, more yeah, yeah. What's up? um before because Smith, that's gonna take six hours. Um Jane's gonna turn to Prowl and essentially be like, that disruptor blast, can you like with your tactical analysis, can you tell us anything about that? Was it Probably that Klingon. That's actually, that's me projecting. That's. It was definitely Klingon. Prawl yeah. looks at you and says, it was definitely a Klingon disruptor. That much is certain. They took Klingon disruptor off the crime scene. Well, when they arrested the guy who did it. Um, okay. So then I think that Jane, what Jane wants to do is she wants to try and see if she can identify that Klingon in that. Uh, in that okay. video. Yeah. Um, His file is available. You pull it up. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's his name? What's who's this guy? He was executed, guy? right? What's that? He was executed, right? For uh, the, yeah. this crime. Vonok is his name. Okay. Um You do see that he has a file, a Klingon file on Narendra Station, but it's mm -hmm. inaccessible to you. His Federation file states that he is just an engineer's mate. Okay. Um I think yeah. that your Cardassian mind, Jane, tells you that this guy is remarkably unremarkable and probably the perfect person to, to be the scapegoat for something like this. Yeah. Um, I think that Jane is definitely going to compile all this information and also make sure that the captain and the XCO get it so that okay. they, um, because she doesn't have access to these files, but you know what? If they happen to see something there, um, yep. Jane's going to put a little... Uh, what is the like uh, future equivalent of a post-it note with the smiley face on it? Uh, on oh, like an, and send an it attachment. <laughs> right. An attachment, yes. Highlight it, circle it. There you go. And so that's the only thing she needs to do before the six hours. Okay. Yeah. So you get some of this information, mm -hmm. Captain, and you actually could request the data from the, from the Klingon embassy, or specifically Olin could. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Sol to Olin. Go for Olin. Do you have a moment? I just got some data in. I'm over in my quarters. Um, of course. I'll be right there. Okay. Olin heads over. Uh, Sol 
has uh, some candles that were never lit on the table and then some over by like the, the side table mm -hmm. that are actually starting to burn down. And mm -hmm. there's are some replicated containers of like Indonesian food on the floor and a bunch of data pads spread out across the floor. It very much looks like uh, someone's idea of what all-nighters mm. are supposed to be. <sighs> we were going to have dinner. Oh, um, yes, I do believe that we were. We also need to get access to information from the Klingon embassy. Of course. How can I help? I mean, aside from. Well, that, and yes, uh, you can help because this is much more nasi goreng than I remembered. <laughs> uh, you always do have eyes bigger than your stomach. And Which you is surprising for someone. For, yes, exactly. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to imagine the same as true of you. One doesn't become an ambassador of your caliber by not constantly looking to reach farther than your grasp. Mm. You know how I feel about flattery. No, I don't. I've never done it. Incorrigible. You are incorrigible. Can't be couraged. Many have said. Few have eaten. Come on. Mm. So why do you suspect Pugino? A series of things, mostly having to do with the fact that I have always sensed from him a little bit, he was always too neat. Always very tidy always putting forth the um, veneer of put-togetherness. Diabolical. But there was something always underneath it that he was holding back, and I felt that too. I think that he genuinely wants to do something good for the Romulan Empire, and I do believe that he believes that the way he's going about it is the right way to do so. But ultimately, he wants what, honestly, most infallible beings do. He wants power. Because once you get a taste, it can be an incredibly difficult thing to um, become unaccustomed to. And this particular location, I mean, think about it. He basically barged his way in here without a, so much as a never mind and and got his way almost right away. He put himself out here for a reason. His timing, if you think about it, was very um, interesting. It's true enough, but then how do the Klingons fit into this? I think the Klingons were just collateral damage. Like I said, I do think that he is sincere in what he wants. He's just also 
misguided in his uh, avenues of pursuit. If he is trying to destabilize subspace, I would say misguided is an understatement. That does bring up something interesting. Hmm? We haven't talked much about what Exio and our um, auxiliary crew discovered from the chair. The creatures in subspace that were repairing them. Do you think Pugina might know about that? I guess it would depend on whether or not he got any sort of intel from the ship itself, whether or not they would have even noticed in all of the mayhem that it was happening. I've been thinking about it because I, I've been wondering if there isn't some way to communicate with them in the event that something catastrophic does happen, it might go a long way to helping repair the damage if we can actually speak with them. All right. We have about 46 hours, give or take, until we arrive at that site, uh, depending on how long it takes to complete this SOS. If your services are not required on the distress call, please, can you draft us some kind of plan for communication? Your empathy may give us the best shot and, well, diplomacy doesn't end at communication barriers, does it? You're Starfleet. Surely there's some sort of impossible ask equivalent in your branch. I was... I have no way of knowing whether or not it is even possible to do so in this way. They might have completely different methods of communication and it would be it would be foolish not to speak to both Chief uh, Tech and Lieutenant Commander Lecat about alternate forms of communication as well because the only method I can think of is possibly trying to reach out telepathically and if if they are telepathic creatures, then that will be easy. But if they're not, then that is an entire challenge of its own. I can't communicate with people who don't have telepathy. Is there anything we can do to help? Deltans are supposed to be able to telepathically communicate with people to whom they are either also telepathic or to people who are emotionally close to them, intimate, bonded. Um, I've, I've never achieved that level of intimacy with anyone. I've never, I mean, even Lacat and I don't speak to each other that way, and she's probably the closest friend that I have. I've never asked whether or not she and my parents can speak to each other. 
could you practice? I sort of set down my carton. Does that help? <laughs> Captain, are you suggesting that I try to speak to you? There's catastrophic dissolution of subspace at risk. If talking to me telepathically is too high a price, I do understand. It, it's it's not. I just I didn't. I'm unless. Oh, Saul goes and grabs a beverage. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no. It's just I didn't realize. I mean. <laughs> um. I, mean, I don't. I, I'm, I don't want to impose. I. You are and like. Olin kind of approaches Saul and like grasps their hands and like kind of holds them sort of close and, is like, and you're not, you're not imposing. You just, you are always finding ways to surprise me. Hopefully good. Well, when it doesn't make me want to yell at you for making foolish decisions, it makes me want to. <clears throat> yes, let's let's practice. All right. So it sits back down on the ground, sort of cross-legged. Okay. Yeah, I guess Olin is going to. Uh, make some attempts to speak telepathically to uh, Azri Sol. So what would be the obstacles for something like this? Do you foresee as a Delton trying to make this kind of connection? So my understanding of this particular kind of connection is that it's very easy between other Deltons and other Betazoids and other telepathic species. But there are inherent risks to attempting to do so with somebody who is not also, or is not in, uh, innately telepathic. Um, mm -hmm. This is this is no small thing that is about to happen because this is the equivalent of Troy and Riker in Zadi level ability to speak to each other kind of a thing. Like mm -hmm. it is, it is a bonding experience essentially. Um, okay. Good thing uh, Saul definitely has the cultural competency here to understand what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think in the context of, of Olin and their particular persuasions, it is not like the intimate without being like, you know. Right. Yeah. A different dimension and expression. Yes. yes. But right. like, once this connection is made, it is not one that is easily broken, is basically kind of the way that works. So I'm going to say that something like this, at this point in the story, for the characters and what you're trying to accomplish, would be ruined by a dice roll. Mm. And instead, I'm going to say that if you're willing to spend three momentum, then it becomes true. I'm good with that, Sam. My mind to your mind, baby. 
Okay. So, Olin, you focus for a moment, and at at first, it is it is exactly what you expected. You don't really feel that connection, that bridge. You sit with that for a moment, and focus on the ambient noises of the engine around you, and focus on your breathing. And you focus on Saul's breathing. And as this begins to occur, you begin to slowly realize that you're not, you're, you're becoming less and less able to tell the difference between your breathing and Saul's breathing. And you begin to feel, with, for lack of a better way of saying, a thusness, a, a, the obviousness, the connection of a fellow life form, that bridging of the gap. You begin to become that oneness. You begin to feel the connection, that melding. You begin to experience something you've never experienced before where your mind is literally touching the mind of somebody else like this. And the two of you begin to become aware that it is a open door to simply move through. You become less and less aware of what's going on around you and more and more aware of like the noises of, uh, you think you hear the noises of a, a human, human man asking Azri if they like candy and what they think of a starship. And you think you hear Azri say, I wanna, I wanna be the captain of a starship one day. You can hear the little voice coming out a child's voice. Um, you can hear, you can hear things like echoing sentiments of, uh, of an alarming amount of prejudice that Saul encountered at the academy, being an Orion. And uh, it, it's subtle, but it's stabbing. You can feel that. You're aware of it. Um, you. You're also aware of the respect and admiration that Saul acquires um, for professors that they loved and people like Nollis Ree who saw potential and took a chance. Um, you're becoming more and more aware of the experience of Saul's life and the incredible amount of discipline that they exert every moment of their lives in connection with Chloros and keeping it in check. You feel, even though that is an intimate connection, you can feel Saul's wall that they have carefully and, and compassionately and with discipline built around themselves for them to function in the thing that they have always dreamed about doing. You are getting a full sculpture of this character that has been your captain this whole time. And so with you, <laughs> you, you are also experiencing what it was like being a Deltan who did not match to what other Deltans thought Deltans should be. You too are feeling this sense of, of otherness that a young Olin Marshall Neal had to grow up with and learned to become stronger with. 
loving parents that were constantly pushing for Olin to be who they are to be, but also a lot of pressure coming from dad to join the diplomatic corps. Um, but you also feel those familiar sentiments from Delton society that's struggling to understand that which is not typical. That which is not um, typical to their culture. And instead, struggling to embrace that splash of beauty that brings so much more to the canvas than the single note that they constantly play and the safety of their privileged world. Um, you open up to that. You also get to experience what it's like throwing hot tea in the face of Nodrin. You also get to experience the shame and the rage, the intense feelings of emotion, which almost cause cracks to shatter the wall built around you. And it takes you a few moments, but Olin, as much as they presented themselves calm and collected, there is a deep wellspring of emotion and fury and sorrow and anxieties. And it's all open to the both of you, open your eyes and look at each other at the exact same moment and you see the similarity of experiences. One has had to discipline themselves all this time in order to be the ambassador dad wanted them to be. The other one has walled them off and disciplined themselves all this time in order to be the captain that they have always wanted to be. The connection's made. All these stars away. It didn't seem like the distance had to bridge so far. That's the first time I've ever done anything like that before. That's my first. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you for all of it. So weird. <laughs> You've been sitting next to me this whole time and I feel like this is the first time I'm actually meeting you. <laughs> I think you're the first person on this ship who knows my name. Oh, shit. A rare moment of Olin Majanil swearing in front of you. I will take it to my grave. Mm -hmm. Because I know. Olin knows how important it is. Yep. Yeah, you sure as heck do. Your parents are very lovely, by the way. Yours are, too. <laughs> right, they're complicated, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I just passed some takeout, some replicator <laughs> takeout. <laughs> so what are you studying? What are all these about? Uh, how 
Klingons are connected, embassy, and any background on Kazinti, that one over there for the distress call, how on Star's name they ended up over here. In a minute. We'll get to it in a minute. And Saul puts their back against like the back of the sofa or something mm -hmm. and just sort of leans shoulder to shoulder. All right. And the two of you sit in silence and have, for the first time in all your travels together, discovered that both of you are in a precious moment where nothing needs to be said. Many decks below you, however, in main engineering, a return message is coming in from Lena Blue. Oh. It's late at this point. Y'all are about an hour and a half away to rendezvous with this SOS. It's going to be a quick rescue mission. And Vren is currently burning the midnight oil, getting the Ross where she needs to go. In main engineering, the cat, prawl, and tech are huddled around the incoming upload of this transmission from subspace. In the sick bay, holding Sorex's hand, McCrell is looking over a patient that she has saved twice now. Sorex is breathing a steady. The injury was grievous, to be sure, but it looks like he's going to make it. And it looks like once again, he's delivered information to the Ross that could be critical. As the information begins to finish downloading in the data pad, you see her face come back up and she goes, okay, um, so I've managed to, to chop at that composite a little bit. Um, that wasn't a Klingon that shot him. Um, oh. I've managed to figure out it was, um, I've never seen anything like this guy. And you just see the composite skillfully removed. Uh, it all makes sense now because of the surprise, the shock, as you see, he turns and gets shot. This Klingon that was walking past him wasn't a Klingon. It was a Riemann what? with a Klingon disruptor. Sorex, in this unaltered footage, immediately goes, you remember very well how lethal Sorex is with his bare hands. Yeah. How fast he can be. He shouldn't have been shot in the first place. You see him in that blur of motion go into his swing. He gets a good hit in, but the Riemann grabs him by the neck and lifts him almost up over his head, puts him against the wall, presses the disruptor against his chest and fires. Oh. And then ruthlessly, in the same action, just drops him and continues to walk. And you hear Lena say, the station alarms didn't go off either. I went ahead and took the... Uh, the liberty of looking in to see what the security did because the station alarm should have been alerted anytime there's an energy uh, discharge like that. And it turns out there was a, an override and uh, it came from Ambassador Pagino's office. Then I also detected um, that there was a transporter signal received in the ambassador's office. Uh, and shortly after in main engineering, the Riemann seems to have disappeared from the feeds at that point. Uh, but the big, the big haul is I managed to get what 
Sorex was trying to pull off of that communications array. Listen to this and tell me if you know what the heck this means. And it starts to play and you hear static and you hear the voice of Pagino saying, I understand. The Imperius is coming to get me and we'll be headed to the rendezvous point immediately. We have to move quickly. The Ross is on her way back to Narendra Station. And that's all there is. The oh. Imperius, by the way, is the Type 2 Deridex warbird that delivered Pagino and is now presumably at some point. The three of you look at each other and Prawl looks at all of you and just very simply and very coldly says to all of you, goes, we're going to have a fight. Uh. And that is what is going to lead us into the penultimate episode of Clear Skies next Monday night. I love that it ends on that sound from tech. Just... <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yay. Tech squad. Well, yeah. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> yeah, that too, but we've got to wrap oh, that... up a rescue mission and then you have to haul ass to that particle fountain as quickly as possible. I will say you guys right now are traveling at warp 9.6, which just yeah. so you know that hurls you across space. You guys traveled six light years in a day and seven hours. And Any faster and we'd be lizard creatures. <laughs> yeah. You guys will be headed towards the particle fountain. You guys will be able to travel up to you, the, the journey to the particle fountain is roughly <sighs> 10 light years, which to put into perspective at 9.6, you're still going to arrive in roughly just over a day. So y'all are burning, burning rubber. Most um, ships can't afford to warp sprint forever. Yeah. <laughs> Except us. Woo! It's time to replicate well, some Red Bull. Y'all, <laughs> just thank you into so the much. Court. Thank you so much for the session. We have certainly set the stage for a big finale. Uh, I'm curious to see what decisions get made by these characters and what happens next, what the future lies for them, and what happens in the next episode, and will futures change because of the events that are going to happen next episode? I, as a GM, have no idea. So I am curious to find out. Um, so is Yappa. Yeah. Yeah. is <laughs> freaking out over here. He's like, what's happening? <laughs> no, because um, if we rescue, we got you, Yappa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Ox Crew, um, for this entire journey. Um, we look forward to seeing you next Monday nights. Until then, my friends, hailing frequencies are closed. <laughs>